Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dara here, aka Captain Brunch, your co host for Talk Brunch Live, is always coming to you with the AEW Revolution Post Show 2021. With me, as always, co host Destin Soglo Frazier. That wasn't the pop I was expecting, but I mean, eh? Uh, which explosion disappointed you more? I don't even know where to begin. You know? It uh it was definitely an interesting night. We're gonna go into everything that's going on. This is considered our AEW special revolution post show. We're gonna go over the week as well in regards to AEW stuff. But yeah, there's been some twists and changes and everything. That being said, shout out to all of our listeners across the podcast platforms across the world, including iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addicts. And all popular place podcasts are served, as well as our live feeds over on the Twitch and Facebook and TalkBrunch.com. Spartan Jesus, what's up? Welcome to the chat room, sir. We'll shout you guys out individually at the end of this. But yeah, one hell of a week. I'm, I'm really interested. I had to, I don't normally, well, sometimes I do, but I try not to stick to Twitter. After a couple of announcements that happened, I wanted to feel the IWC's reaction and see if it was a positive or negative. And we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Just for the record, FYI, we're not late. I'm earlier than ever. They were late. They, this thing went on longer than we usually go on, honestly. This yeah. was after, this was almost a quarter to midnight. But then again, it's a bigger card than we usually deal with as of late, so. And a lot of people that are AEW purists were saying stuff on Twitter like it feels like WrestleMania, like AEW Revolution feels like WrestleMania. And I'm talking this was at like 3 p.m. This isn't like a review of uh, the car. They were just saying, I guess, that the vibe of the day felt like WrestleMania. And I got to be honest, to me, it didn't. I didn't really feel like WrestleMania. I did feel excited for the card. I think a lot of that had to do with the uh, the hype that they put behind it, though. You know, like there was like a whole lot of hype in regards to uh what was happening but uh it, it felt like wrestlemania in length like i'm yeah here. i mean we had what 10 matches on this card which usually a lot of the pay-per-views we're used to doing now is only maybe four or five yeah and and it's crazy because i knew that we were looking into doom when i started looking at my clock because i was thinking to myself and i was telling stasis it was like you know what most of the time worst case scenario like when we're done with a sunday pay-per-view We'll get all of our stuff together. I'll grab all of whatever videos and stuff applies or clips that apply to what we're going to display. And then we'll go on. Latest would be like around the time that we would go on for a Monday Talk Bunch Live, like 1130-ish. And uh, that's counting me gathering and doing everything. When I looked at that clock and I saw that way after that time, we were still like in the middle of a match. It was like, oh, boy. (laughs) It was like they're they're the same thing. I was like they're going later than me. It was like I haven't even gotten to the part where this ends yet. It was yeah, like, this by, is crazy. by the time it got to the main event, I was like, "Yep, it's gonna be a late one tonight." Yeah, yeah. I started mumbling to myself when I realized that there were other things um, to talk about. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything as best as we can um, in regards to the entire AEW product because they did it. They went out of their way to make this AEW week, whether or not I. 
found the necessity in doing that is uh, yet to be determined. Because honestly, it felt like AEW week last week when every single day had a women's match and a special and then a Sunday women's special and then like a women's Thursday thing and a YouTube women's thing. You know, so, but here we are, AEW. Starting out with uh, last week's Dark. I'm not going over all of these matches. I only started watching because they really started putting over Dark. Talking about Big Show being there. I'm sorry, Paul White being there. Uh, I will say that anything that I watch, the most enjoyment that I'm getting out of this product is Taz right now. Like Taz, Taz is, kills me off Dark. I don't even need visuals i could just listen to taz like taz is hilarious like taz is like the ultimate troll so i will say that watching everything i've had a lot of fun in regards to to that kind of stuff uh i don't expect you to subject yourself to all of this kind of punishment but did you happen to catch any of the aw darks i missed this one this is actually one of the rare ones i missed just because it's been a hectic week so they did two in a row they did the tuesday one and then they did the special one on saturday did you see either one of these I haven't seen the not. I, I saw the um the, the regular Tuesday one actually, but okay. yeah, I think it was the Saturday one was the one I missed. Okay, so the regular Tuesday one. Let me bring this clip up here, man, because it's actually funny. This all connects to uh to stuff that was going on in a sense. Where do I go for that? I'm sorry, guys. Okay, bear with me. We have oh my god, there's so many buttons tonight. <laughs> there's a button I wish I didn't have to hit for the main event, but it's there. Yeah, we got to talk about it. I was still waiting. I was like, is, is, is it going to be, is there more? No. Anyway, I can't, I can't want to jump ahead to that. I'm too excited to get to, to the, the, let's, let's crawl up. So the acclaimed put on this thing called the acclaimed shopping network. And I know some of you don't like it. <laughs> if George was here, he would hate it. But I have to, uh, I just have to acknowledge it. Hello. My name is Anthony Bones, the most critically acclaimed man in professional wrestling, and this is Platinum Max, and welcome to the acclaimed shopping network. And on today's show, we're selling something cool, magical, and spooky. It's the Dark Orders Kool-Aid. Ooh, and we have someone who's going to try it live oh on the air. God. Come on, buddy, take Look a Look at Dude on the Right. I love, watch Dude on the Right. Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh, I love him. Oh Look how he looks. Oh. I just lost it with him specifically. He's so small and frail and gross and stupid. He smells awful. The way he was Max, I'm about to qualify against a guy named Ken, but he couldn't draw a dime with his 10 cent brain. $10 body. Who loves the acclaim? Everybody. The 10 day forecast all rain, but you face me, so you seeing them stars, man. Platinum with the visibility. I got the ability to make the match something that the fans want to really see. Uh, you're welcome. Keep riding my coattails. I'm the only one in this match who just won't fail. More charisma in my teeny tiny toenail than you have in your whole body. Oh, well. See me in the ring, the best wrestler alive. Be careful with your knees. When you step in his side Yes, they call me platinum Cause I'm destined to shine I'ma climb the corporate ladder One step at a time Yo, what's up with your chest? That's a skin rash? Matter of fact, don't talk Shut the zipper on your gimp mask I be drumming on your neck Call it whiplash Andre drumming with the check I got a big bag platinum Me again, 
10, that's a mismatch on BTE. Every single skit's bad. In a dark order, you're a hanger on. Looking like SpongeBob with your anchor arms. Fake muscles, yeah, I know you ain't too strong. Wednesday, dynamite, no place to run. Try to step to the acclaimed, I'm a gangster, son. No, I'm not the revolution, I'm the face of one. Platinum, max, I'm about to qualify against a guy named Ken, but he couldn't draw a dime with this 10 cent That is brain. amazing, dude. I gotta give them credit for that, man. He's doing a growing That's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Acclaim Shopping oh Network. Don't God. forget to watch Max Caster beat the absolute crap out of 10 tomorrow night on Dynamite. And stay tuned. And he still has the 10 Kool-Aid, the Dark Order Kool-Aid. Head to shop AEW.com and check out the Acclaim's brand new t-shirt. You're going to want it. You're going to love it. And all your friends are going to be jealous. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. Oh, man. And you know what the thing is? I know some people say what's the John Cena thing, but John Cena did that gimmick like over 10 years ago, you know? Like, there's a lot of people who have gimmicks that, that were from years ago. Like, even Ric Flair's not the first Ric Flair. Like, are we really gonna, like, now almost 10 years later, beyond 10 years, and now it's like we're gonna hate on them for that? And they do it good. Yeah. So, so I guess that time, so I guess when everybody comes out and they're undead, they're doing the Undertaker gimmick, if we're going with that logic. It just drives me crazy like, how much silly shit is allowed in wrestling nowadays that people try to put over. Some of it I like, some of it I don't, but when you count like Marco Stunt and Luchasaurus and uh, I don't know, just weird things that we have and then the murder mysteries and TNA. And then out of all the, the weird things that are like just tongue in cheek or funny, those guys are going to be the ones that people are like, well, that's kind of silly and unoriginal. Like now that's hey. where we, that's the line with them. Like, no, I don't care. I like it. I'm enjoying it. They did a few more things. We'll get into it later on. But I think those guys are just straight up entertaining. Like, they make me laugh. Yeah. So, you know. I didn't like them at first, but no, they grew on me. Yeah. I always say to people, when it comes to wrestling, you got to have fun. Like, if you're not enjoying just the fun of the stuff, then you're not you're not here for it. Like, if I have complaints, my complaints will be more like about something in the ring or the body of work. Just something that's weird, you know, or something that's off. Or like if somebody who's like five foot two has to take like four or five false finishes you know, on an AEW Dynamite, shit like that. But, like, when they're just having fun, like, it's wrestling, Jesus. There's always been some humor in and fun there. It's just when it uh, it gets crazy. I think stuff like that's perfect. So I thought it was really cool. The the, the acclaimed shopping network selling Dark Order Kool-Aid. That's fucking amazing. Taz, man, on this episode. It was good enough that I had to rewind it. He doesn't let Excalibur get a break at any point. Not a single one. But this was one of my favorite. I don't know why, but this popped me. It made me go back and watch it again. But listen to, listen to how he trolls Taz here. I mean, how he trolls like Excalibur. And I know he's just ribbing him, but... Baron Black is, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's a really uh, soft-spoken, thoughtful guy. But, you know, we're seeing a, a different side of him. As how do you know he's thoughtful? Like, how do you know that? He just punched the guy in the face while he was down. He's thoughtful. He might be soft-spoken, Excalibur. How do you know he's thoughtful? Has he bought you something for the holidays? No, I meant he's thoughtful, like he's introspective. Like, when you ask him a question, it takes a little time to think. I hear Excalibur just over his give a good answer. He wants to give uh, an answer that, that means something. He doesn't want to just uh, deal in platitudes like you do, Taz. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, dude. How do you know? Like we said, Excalibur, if that's your real name. Oh, my God. Did he buy you a present in the holidays? I swear to God, one of the, I think the best thing I've ever seen from Dark was I think they had a, 
Brody Jr. negative one on there. I think he told Excalibur to shut up, and Taz popped and lost his shit. He did. He wasn't letting him call the match. I think it was that same one. He wasn't. He yeah. wasn't letting him call the match. It was like, oh shit. The motherfucker was like, shut up, Excalibur. He just started laughing. I was like, oh man. They just let Taz be such an asshole. Dark. It's amazing. Yeah, you're right. He is giving him the Michael call. And yeah, King King Quest is right too. Better better uh, bars than uh, than Enzo. Well, yeah, man, I I, I brought that up just because again, I know we're not going to be able to go back to uh, Dynamite or any of that once we start talking about the paper. It'd be weird tomorrow night to go. Okay, now I'll go back in time further. So I'm gonna just bump that out of the way. So Dynamite, I have my my uh, my card and notes here for Dynamite. This was AEW Dynamite Crossroads. I'm gonna try to just bump to what uh what's important, I guess, as far as uh pertaining to the paper so we probably could just talk about the uh shack stuff tomorrow that has nothing to do with uh tonight so we'll we'll leave that for tomorrow's card uh there is an inner circle press conference and i'm just gonna note that i feel like there's always an inner circle thing i know i said i like these guys and i enjoy the stable and i enjoy the comedy but it just feels like there's always we're always waiting for an inner circle meeting or a conference or just some sort of an inner circle thing that's supposed to always happen that's called is it just me? No, no. I, 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 uh, I know exactly what you mean. Like, like every single week, it's just like, all right, next week is the inner circle official this or that. It, it, uh, it almost kind of reminds me of like the old bits they used to do with Santana and Ortiz and LAX, where like you see their little backstage meetings and shit. Yeah, but it's just it's just a lot of them that are announced and anticipated. I, I you say kind of like DX booking in the late nineties. I feel like it's more like NWO booking in the late nineties because DX will come to the ring just to be assholes they'd have water guns and all kinds of jokes screw things up a little bit play gags on people pop the crowd everyone go home happy. you know what i mean where it's like with the nwo they would all come to the ring fill up the ring take time doing a long intro in the ring that everyone liked but nonetheless it took long and then they would all talk about an issue that they had that we didn't know about before they got there and be like you know man me and you have this issue and then they'd either later on resolve it announced that later on they're going to come back for a meeting to resolve it or they'd resolve it and all hug and they'd be okay but reluctantly okay they would just make them have to later on come out and resolve it anyway you know think about it how many times as a, as a teenager at least my in, in my age demographic did you have to sit there and watch 12 motherfuckers with miss elizabeth wearing nwo shirts march down the ramp <laughs> I always say, man, people don't believe me. Longest, <laughs> longest running NW. She took that shit NWO life more seriously than anyone in the world. <laughs> she ain't no motherfucking gay. She was more for life for NWO than she was for her man. You know, when uh, you think about it, she had half of the time was with Macho, the other half was with Luger. But all the time was in the NWO. <laughs> Macho fucking left the NWO before she did. Think about that. But I digress. <laughs> Yeah, think about how many times you have to watch the entire 14 and 18 NWO members with Miss Elizabeth come down <laughs> with an issue and they'd all fight and make up constantly. I wish they had a Miss Elizabeth there that would, that would be like the unlikely That's all person. They need, that they right, Elizabeth. Now, how is there no chicks in this? Think somebody else would have. I don't give a shit who it is. Fucking put Brick in there. Put Brick in there. It's going to be the new Miss Elizabeth. Anybody, anybody. But yeah, I, I get a little bit worried. I enjoy their stuff though, so it's like mixed because I don't like how how much they lay it on, but it's always interesting. So yeah, this but it's particular like the way they do it is good. Yeah, so this particular one, I thought I was seeing shit with this, to be honest. Conrad Thompson right? came out on the actual AEW Dynamite, a podcast guy, like a this regular Conrad Thompson was out there. 
to to give a fucking an, an interview to the inner circle. I, I like the kayfabe of it all that they that this is so real that we we did it like a actual press conference, you know, like we did it like like one of the uh the dirt shoot things. <laughs> wow. Oh, look at this, Conrad Thompson. Conrad Thompson here from Grilling JR. Look at this. The fighting is over. What are the odds of letting uh, Sammy Guevara back in the inner circle? Oh my God, Turkey Tits, you cannot be serious right now. You go, you I said I never wanted tits. to hear that name again, you fathead. Get out of here, Thompson. Leave Get back to the Nebraska. Get out of here. Go. Leave. Next question. You shut your mouth, too. Next question. That is amazing. A Conrad chant, really? Yeah, like a, it was a Conrad chant. Oh, I, that's, that's never good. MJF, why did you guys attack Papa Buck last week? Why did we attack Papa Buck? Seriously. Anyway, MJF, man. That freaking guy. <laughs> Turkey. T- you don't understand. I've never laughed and gotten faint so fast watching MJF on live TV call another man Turkey Tits. Like, you, you, you don't recover from that. At that point, argument's over. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely uh, something else, man. But uh, yeah, I just found it funny that they had uh, all of these guys up here. You know, like I was just thinking to myself, I was like, "Oh boy, we're gonna legitimately have all of the uh, like we're gonna break a little bit kayfabe here, huh?" Yeah, of course we had Bischoff there as usual. But I mean, when Bischoff shows up, it's always nice. But yeah, Conrad showing up, I was like, "Wait, is that fucking?" I was I heard Conrad talks, and I was like, "No, wait, no, not that one, is it?" Yeah, we had Easy E himself out there, right? Yeah, as a matter of fact, let me bring that up too. Let's bring up the Easy E. Okay, I am so sick of all you schmucks out there making Papa Buck out to be some sort of martyr, okay? He recklessly attacked my best friend Chris Jericho. He did? What we did last week was an act of self-defense. It's true. But the worst part that nobody's talking about is that old worthless sack of crap got his backyard blood all over my brand new custom suit. Now I know you disgusting pores out there can't comprehend how expensive a custom suit is, but just to clue you in, I don't shop at Target and Baby Gap like all of you do. Is this the even now- Baby Gap? Good lord. <laughs> Now, if you thought what we did to Papa Buck was bad, just you wait until we get our hands on malnourished Matthew and not so slick. I wish my hair was way more thick. Nick, this Sunday at Revolution. I can't. can't. But hey, it wasn't our idea to attack Papa Buck, was it? (laughs) First of all, boy. Anyway, see, these guys are like, they own this show. You know what I'm saying? The fucking main characters. Where the hell was Bishop? Wasn't Bishop somewhere in here? Yeah, Bishop showed up somewhere around here. It was probably before Raw Conrad. The only thing I could think of. Yeah, because I don't see the Bishop part. But yeah, he was there. I wish they would have Bishop be more of a personality in this show, you know? Like that's Yeah, the but then again, I guess it does make it interesting when he does show up because we only see him maybe a handful of times. Yeah, I guess. Okay, here it is. Where's that rank? Hold on, hold on, bring it back a little bit. That's about 33 in. It's EB. 
Who yeah, passed baby. up the media credentials for this? Uh, Eric Bischoff from the 83 Weeks podcast. So uh, my, my question is really a two-part question, and, and Chris, I'll, I'll direct it to you since we've known each other for a little bit longer than I've known MJF. Number one is, do you know the condition of Papa Buck? And the second part of that question is, in your list of stupid ideas, where does motivating the young bucks to come at you with a vengeance, where does that rank? Just curious. First of all, Eric B., shut your mouth. Second of all, we don't know the condition of Papa Buck, and we don't really care. We don't care at all. And as far as Matt and Nick Jackson goes... <laughs> well, you play with fire sometimes. Yeah, you it should have been more hot, though. That's one thing that I was disappointed about, you know? Yeah. Like, think, like when I look back at the last scenario that happened with these guys, like their father was beaten bloody on camera and literally they they splattered his blood across their poster where his face and handprint was like sliding down the wall and he was like left in a pool of his own blood. And then they just kind of came out a little bit upset here. You know, I know I brought it up before, but watch Cobra Kai. I've seen people get more hot about fucking up each other's dojos than this guy got about his father being splattered across the back of a fucking wall. You know, they were like, you know, our father's really important to us. You know, it just didn't feel like that heat was there that needed to be there. Maybe that's as mad as they can get. I don't know. But I, I, just took, I, 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 I originally thought of it like, okay, save it for the pay-per-view, I guess. But maybe that's just me. This is that's one of those things that goes back to the. uh the issue that I have in regards to their uh, wrestling style, as good as they are, where like, unfortunately, saving it for the pay-per-view means doing all of the shit that you do when you're the young bucks, you know, the spots that you do, the the, the springboard 450s and the and the acai moon salts and all that shit. But it's kind of like, again, I go back to the storyline that they're in. Once you splatter their father across the wall, that probably shouldn't look like that. You know, like they probably wouldn't yeah. be out there springing around and jumping and hopping, which we'll get to later on in the show. Like there should have been. I just feel like there was an op- missed opportunity here for them to whip somebody's ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go back. I, I hate to use the E as an example, but go back and watch uh, around 98. I believe it was SummerSlam 98 saga. Um, If you guys recall old timers, there was a point where uh, the Nation of Domination, along with The Rock, locked a dx in their locker room with like a forklift and they brought china to the ring they'd never do some shit like this nowadays but they literally brought her down to her knees and like the rock was like keep her on her knees that's where she belongs like mark henry and, and like the whole group had her like down on her knees and uh you know they just basically humiliated her in the ring and shit later on that night like when triple h came to the ring they would never allow this party either but taco was having it was one of those things where like jobbers are having a match so the someone who's more important just comes and fucks everybody taco was having a match i only remember that it was him because triple h gave him like a shoot chair shot to like the front of his head where like the chair completely wrapped like like the like you could see taco's asian face imprinted on the chair the way you would see han solo in carbonite <laughs> i know the one you're talking like about. it was like wow and I remember just thinking, holy shit. And I guess that's when they were ignorant to chair shots. And then he took the fucking spiked chair that was now encant- encanted with, with Taka's face and spiked it on the ground. 
like the whole chair like just exploded on the ground and that's when he said that famous line because it was it was edgy back he was like at SummerSlam rock you're gonna be my bitch the point being i digress that he didn't go out there and like do like his his fucking jumping knee strike and then do like the face crusher and kick and cross chop and pedigree taka he was too enraged for that so although it's not allowed today you it conveyed seeing taka's face protruding through that metal like that conveyed how pissed he was at rock it made you at least it made me want to buy the paper because like oh my god if that guy's face if i could see his asian face imprinted in the fucking chair imagine what's gonna happen at rock that's what you want to do that's how you build so this going this is a go home moment for the bucks with with uh jericho and i just kind of felt like they they came down the ramp and uh I don't know what they could have done to be aggressive without drawing blood or being dangerous, but just don't do the young buck stuff because he splattered your dad's, uh, the, your dad's blood across the back of a, of a wall, you know? And when you think about the storylines they usually have in AEW, even for that show, that's kind of dark, you know? Every now yeah. and then, like a, a parent will get shoved or hit or something, but it was like, nope, we're taking him out, splattering him across the entire back of that. Declaration of war. Papa about to earn his colors tonight. Yeah. But what you do get out of it, which is what you would have expected, is you get you do the, a crazy dive spot from both of them, you know, right over here. So let's take a quick look at that. Anderson, Carl Anderson is holding down, looking Dick oh into the table. Mitch this is still cool. See both of them do dive spots. I think Nick's head bounced off the floor, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm saying like that stuff is cool and everything. I just would have liked to see like a little bit more of the anger from that that storyline. Anyway, uh, what else applies to uh, the pay-per-view? We can talk about the uh, that tomorrow. They have Paul White um, show up. He did this whole thing. Where he was like, raise your hand if you saw this turn coming. And it was like, no, I wasn't really looking for it. But uh, this is where he announces that at this Revolution pay-per-view, they're going to be contracting a Hall of Fame talent. And this is where all well, of the hype... Hall of Fame worthy, pretty much. Hall of Fame like, worthy. Yeah, they were really careful yeah, pretty, with the Pretty much in the sense saying somebody who's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but they'd be worthy of it, I guess. Yeah. My first guess was Donald Trump. Because I mean... Have, oh, my God. That's magical. My second guess was freaking... Uh, what's his name? Drew Carey. You know? That's the point, though. You see, like, what I mean? It's the Hall of Fame. Well, When see, you say something like a Hall of Fame talent, it literally could be anyone. It's not like they're picky about their Hall of Fame anymore. Yeah. But then again, I guess they were just like, don't pick somebody who's actually in that Hall of Fame, I guess. If I put on any of the old games, most of the roster is the Hall of Fame. Isn't that some shit? It's not like a select you club back, anymore. You, 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 you go back to the fucking like, cheap-ass DLC guys with the Hall of Fame. I'm surprised that no one's made like a video game that's specifically just Hall of Famers. The same way we had the WWE Legends and All-Stars that was like a specific genre. I'm surprised it's not just a Hall of Fame game. Oh my god, wouldn't that be great to put for Snoop Dogg and Kid Rock up against Joe? Why not? It'd be half Def Jam Vendetta, it'd be half WWE 2K20. Let it. Let it happen. All kinds of stuff happens nowadays. Anything's possible. That shitty game they never talk about happens. <laughs> I've seen all kinds of stuff. At this point, I believe anything. Don't give 2K any ideas, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, Hall of Fame edition. You just get, they'll, they'll just do, they'll clean the roster and a lot of people will probably less royalties. Like, how much would it really cost to get a Drew Carey in there? More than they willing to pay the way they act nowadays. Get a bunch of Hall of Famers. Why not? Anyway, uh, so he, this hype. The reason I'm bringing this up, you might be wondering if you don't know the spoiler already, but this hype, uh, the way this was hyped, really, I kind of feel might have been a mistake. And I was worried at this point when I saw it, like, oh boy, this sounds familiar. This kind, of, I've, I've heard this before from another person. You know, I hope you're not becoming Tony Carter. 
But uh, no, he could see he's great. Oh, man, Nyla Rose versus Rio. We spoke about uh this entire thing, right? This is this this goes into the uh into the final match leading into the pay per view because when we last left off this past Monday, it was going to be uh Hikaru Shida versus whoever wins this match, right? Between Nyla Rose yeah. and Ryu Mizunami. Yeah, this was you guys the are wondering. So if some of you went to the voting poll, you didn't have a clear cut opponent yet because this match first needed to happen in order for uh, us to know. That being said, the finishes are. Uh, I believe she hits a German suplex on Nyla Rose and then follows it up with a spear. And then she drags her body into the corner and hits her with a flying leg drop. Right? Yeah, that, that guillotine leg drop she's been using. It was almost worth having Nyla make it this far for her to get her ass kicked like that. Right? You know? Because that, that girl, like, bitch, I don't give a shit how big you are. I'm about to whoop your ass and get this title shot. That girl hit her. Like if, uh, like if she beats people like that up all the time, like it was like, yep, time to beat somebody like you up, <laughs> you know, it was a, but yeah, look at, let me, I, I'll show you here. We're going to pop a little of this on the screen so you guys can see the brutality. You take a super, oh, look at that, look at that shit. Good grief. That was <laughs> Great tenacity by real Mizunami. Oh, the spear! And spears her. I forgot she spears her. Mizunami! And then takes her, drags her into position. She held on the left and right bumpers. Amazing comeback, guys. Amazing comeback. You know? so important in everything. Like, you know you took a lot of shit when they hold on the left and right bumpers. And then they drag this motherfucker over you. And that guillotine leg drop to kill it. That girl's nasty. I was worried for freaking cheetah at that moment <laughs> like, yeah. did that ass whooping like that was another day in the fucking neighborhood yeah no that was something else so then it's, 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 this was interesting just because you don't see things like this normally um this was a japan this was a japan type shit right here yeah these two come to blows but it was interesting the way that they did it because it was almost like a formal coming of blows did you notice that about it, it was kind of like, yeah here we are so you basically she came into the ring mm-hmm. you could talk yeah, Sheeta came into the ring, and basically he's like, he gives like a congratulations to you at the pay per view. And they like, shake hands and just start each other, trading shots, like never letting go, like still mid hand, just. And then afterwards, it's just they're just like, okay, yep, title, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sheeta got the best. Those are the blows we'll be like, using. Right, those are your blows. Like, yep, those are my blows. Why don't we just start going? Like, don't even hesitate. Yeah. That's becoming my favorite division. All they have to do is keep the girls that they had during that tournament in there. I mean, from what we've seen at the pay-per-view tonight and one of the matches they announced for next week, it looks like they're keeping at least two of them. Mm-hmm. So jumping through, Sting interviews with Tony Schiavone, and then Ricky Starks winds up slapping Sting, and then he gets his ass whipped for that. All of Team Taz winds up coming out. Darby and Sting wind up taking out Brian Cage as a big brawl leading into the pay-per-view. Uh... What else happens? You get the Dark Orders 10 with Negative 1, who's accompanying a lot of people lately. And he's he's uh facing Max Caster, who is once again rapping. People who don't like him are going to hate this show. Yeah, they be all right. Big attitude, big skills. Listen, listen, yo. 
This guy's big, but a small talker. I light you up like Lady Gaga's dog walker. This dude is oh. There is no future that if you take your mask off. His name's Tim, but a five in the looks department. It's like the fireball just hit Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> now you getting burnt up. Playing wow. the max, I got this place turned up. Yo, and I ain't done spitting. Negative one, you about to catch a butt whipping. See me in the streets. Wow. And they have to hold back negative oh, one. Hold him back. back. Yeah, I fucking love hold it. Hold him back. Platinum Max Caster and Preston Vance, number 10 of the Dark Order, squaring off here for a chance to enter. <laughs> That's so much fun. Fucking kid. <laughs> he is so fun. He's so good at this already. Yeah, that was something else. And uh, the finish with Jack Evans taking out uh, 10 with that boom box, helping Max Caster yeah. go over. And I guess this was Matt. Was this Matt Hardy's stuff? Um, Yeah, because like, it looks like the whole thing they're saying is it's seeming like maybe Max um got picked. No, saying Jack got paid off by Matt. And it's just more ways to screw with uh, Adam Page. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny thing about this, and I, I I don't know who pointed this out on social media, but it fucking killed me. This was a big week for the Lashley family because you had fucking Lashley win the championship, and then fucking one of Lashley's sisters went over. What? Who? Huh? Matt Castor. If you go back and oh, look at the no, whole thing, no, when no, they no. did that, he's one of them. That was one of the Lashley sisters. Yes. I saw it. I lost my shit. I was like, no fucking way. When you said the Lashley family, I couldn't wrap my brain around where the fuck you were going. It was like the Lashley family. <laughs> I forgot all about that. <laughs> the Lashley family. That's amazing. Fucking Matt Caster was one of the sisters. That's disturbing as hell. Man. I hated that. I really hated that. I did too, because it was so stupid. See what I mean? They do dumb shit counting on us forgetting it, because think of how unac- unacceptable that was. And it's nothing to do with sexual stuff, it's just the absurdity of it. You know? Oh it's, God, it's... Well, spoiler alert, motherfuckers, we remember. I remember seeing that movie years ago, White Girls, and thinking that was over the top. And it was like, look, it's not that I have a sense of humor, it's that I have a hard time believing oh, that someone would see this. Beer. Yeah, I was thinking, how would somebody see this and think that this is normal? Like, if you saw those white girls, you'd run. But, oh, my God. Like, you said something's wrong, you know? So it was hard to enjoy the movie when they look horrifying, you know? So it's like, oh, my God, some scary shit. It's the same thing with, like, Bobby Lashley's sisters. Like, it's just, like, there's just no way, even in the story, for this to be okay. That is not a sister. <laughs> I love how even Smart Jesus was like, I heard Lashley family was like, who the fuck? <laughs> I did that shit knowing nobody would get the joke at first. I was, I was like, thinking about this is successful. This is, it's the sentence I never thought I'd hear in my life that it's been a successful week for the Bobby, the, for the Bobby Lashley family. The family. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh my god. So yeah, that that winds up happening. Uh, you have your main event of Mark Quinn and. Matt Hardy against Hangman Page and John Silva. I don't know why the other guy wasn't there because he's there for the pay-per-view. So maybe there's something we don't know. But uh, I noticed he's been missing. It's just been Mark Quinn. But uh, finish being Page going over Quinn with the buckshot lariat. And then afterward, Hardy beats up Page with the microphone. He's just pounding him with it. And then they do this thing where they empty the locker room. You know the way you do before pay-per-view. Like, I'm not even going to try to rationalize or explain what happened because I don't think they did. Like at one point well, in the beginning was, of it, 
yeah, there were people who fought and it made sense. It was like, yeah, we have these people fighting. This guy came out to save this guy. But by the end of it, it just felt like they emptied the locker room like you do sometimes. Well, what, what it was was that um, those other people that came out, it was other people who were going to be in the tag, in that tag battle royale. Well, no, I know that. but was going to be in it. Private party was going to be in it. That's pretty much what it all wound up dissolving into. Well, yeah, I know that, but that's what I mean. They wound up doing that uh, empty the locker room gimmick because of that. Like, they didn't have a good reason. Like, sometimes when you do it good, like, everyone's out there for a reason. Like, one person comes out to save someone, and then they have an enemy of an enemy is my friend type deal. But after the first five or six guys, it was just, here's everybody down the ramp at the same time, all running in a straight line, they all sliding ring, you punch and push whoever the fuck. Like, it became one of those endings. I appreciate it for what they were trying to do. But, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm glad I'm, I'm looking through the stuff in the background behind the curtain while we do this. That there's this. Do you see that bump that Mark Quinn took? I want to put that on screen. He took this back bump, man. Can I get this back bump on screen that this guy takes? Family. Look at this fucking back bump. Spot for Johnny Hungy. You never know, right? You never know. Can lead him to the fold. Big right elbows, and now look at this. Oh my God! What in the world? Like, how does, you ever seen something like that before? Yeah. You know what the bad part? I've seen Ziggler sell monkey flips like that, but the height killed me. I've seen Ziggler do it with a monkey flip. This guy tornadoed across the sky. Normally, he was taking on your back. That was crazy. You know? It was the the coolest thing I've ever seen, but I was like, holy shit. Like, by the time he got to the top, I was waiting for him to stop rotating. In my head, I was going, "Mm, he's still going. He's still going. He's still, ooh, he went a full flip. Mm Mm-hmm. So one last thing before we hit the pay-per-view, because honestly, there were two AEW Darks, but I got to be honest, as much they, they even labeled the second AEW Dark, how will, how will this show affect the pay-per-view? And the answer is it really didn't. If you didn't watch it, I don't know why I did. I was waiting to see how it was going to affect the pay-per-view. They didn't do anything. Nothing. They were just a bunch of jobs. I'm not going to waste you guys time talking about the matches. There's one interesting thing that happened there that, uh, I did enjoy, and I'm, and by now, this you could probably see a pattern of of where this is gonna be going. Spartan Jesus said, "Dude got a backdrop and did a 450 on Little Jimmy." I'm so done with Spartan Jesus. That is crazy. So here we go one more time. The acclaimed on the second AEW Dark show back up. Oh God, here we go again. <laughs> Like, how do they write this I so fast, right? So it's just amazing. Right that's, that's the reason I had to keep banging. Look, I can't believe how fast they write these. Ladder match, ladder match. Make the haters ladder match. All the fans cheering for me. Get up on the ladder match. Ladder match, ladder match. Quiet down the chatter match. Going for the gold, but you know my name is Platinum Max. Ladder match, battle raps. Treating all these vets like my kids. Call them Cabbage Patch. If they want to beat me, they going to need a magic act. Cody's only in it cause he got big league by the shack attack facts are facts platinum max damn cody how you not embarrassed tony's joe biden you just kamala harris the vice president <laughs> so the fans are never rooting cody's the office he ain't the face of no revolution speaking of faces we got penta yo this guy is fronting he wears paint and a mask must be hiding something why you scared man what happened to the zero miedo Platinum Max, I rock the ice and you got Cero Fuego. Scorpio, I read your horoscope and then I died of boredom. If you won the title shot, you traded for a pair of Jordans. I ain't scared of Lance, choke him with this ponytail. I'm with the acclaim, Platinum Max, I'm the Holy Grail. Ladder match, ladder match, make the haters ladder match. Say a little prayer like they name is 
I just can't believe how incredible. What's up, Mike? By the way, Mike Wade and Facebook. Oh my god. These guys are fun. <laughs> all right, all right. Better not never let them go. Holy shit! Yeah, so they were. That's that was the build up to it. Uh, this brings us to the AEW Revolution buy-in, the good old buy-in show, with the first match, the only match in the buy-in being Riho and Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, DMD, and Maki Ito. Finished to this being, uh, I believe, Reba with the uh, the crutch to the head from the outside helping Britt going over. Yeah, cracks Rosa right on top of the head. Because she she, ha- she came with a doctor's note for Reba, right? Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. It was so that she can fake that whole thing and have the crutch injury and so on and so forth. But overall, it was uh, it was good, you know, good match. No complaints. Yeah, good match, for sure. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I have anything as far as uh footage was anything that stood out to you about this match um i mean first of all thunder rosa is fucking fantastic um <laughs> i fucking what, what's the girl name fucking brit's partner i love that girl so much ever since the tournament i've been sold on her because she's such a little asshole i love how when the match started she just starts flipping off the whole crowd and even commentary was kind of caught off guard like well that was different yeah maki to the idol girl right yeah because yeah. I remember we, we were laughing about her on Monday and fucking, yeah, that girl is so funny. I love that she did that foot grind thing, too, you know, the, where she's crying oh at first God, and then she, she does the foot grind. She stomped the shit out of Rosa's And she does the stomp and then shakes her leg. We talked about it here last Monday. But, yeah, really cool stuff. And Rosa looked really good. Good sequences with her, as always. I mean, ever since, I have to say, Thunder Rosa, people like her and Serena Deeb, like, that's where the elevation of this division started. And then bringing back in all the good Japanese girls. And Riho, yeah. she works as long as she's working with, with like, people from this division. Which are pretty much, what are they? A lot of them are from uh, Ice Ribbon. And uh, what's the other places that they come from? There's, there's a few companies not, out there. I think it's, I know, one of them is Shimmer, too, right? Uh, not with the Japanese girls, no. Okay. But uh, no, okay, it's like, my tongue. But yeah, overall, yeah, they did a really good job here. Good exchanges. Good stuff. Good opening match, you know. Yeah. I love that this was basically like a match where some of the girls who'd already been eliminated from the tournament. So they did they did it almost kind of like G1 style, where it's just like, let them have a match with you about the big event anyway. Yeah. Oh, Here's the crying part I thought about. One of my favorites. So Riho cheering on. Oh, no. Oh. Machito's erupted in tears. Oh, no. She is so shrewd. She grinds the foot. I love oh, that. And then does the beep with her eye. Flair for the dramatic man. Oh, amazing, man. Oh, so good. He did that shit like a child, and it was so funny. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff. Good good choice of a... They, 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 they got to keep her around. Mm-hmm. So the first official match of the show was the AEW World Tag Team title match. The Young Bucks, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson defending the championship against the Inner Circles. Chris Jericho and MJF being accompanied by Wardlow. Yep, and finish of this match after a super kick and poor MJF all to hell. Um, Bucks go over Jericho with a Meltzer driver. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of uh, a lot of middle fingering in this match, huh? Yeah. 
Motherfuckers were shooting birds all match long. Eh? Yeah, I know it's like the inner circle thing, but then the Bucks at one point when they did the double team with the with the jumping clothesline, like they did it with like the like flying middle fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh overall, yeah, I thought that this was solid, you know. Uh oh, yeah. hell of an opener. Mm-hmm. The Young Bucks hitting that Motor City Machine Gun Doomsday device move they do where you were like, sort of like yeah. a backdrop off the top. It's like, a, I yeah, guess you would say. Uh, it's basically a slice bread, a slice bread powerbomb combination. Yeah, yeah. It looked really which good. Was, uh, which was one of the two one of the two finishers the Machine Gun used. So I do like that they give like that consistent shout out to them whenever they have big matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really solid Cause, stuff. Because they, they, they even threw up uh, the Detroit hand symbol when they did to let everybody know like we're about to hit this shit too. Yeah, very cool actually- stuff there. Overall, they looked really good. Uh, Jericho counters a Melsa driver and he tombstones Matt Jackson um, and applies the walls of Jericho on Nick. I thought that was. I love though when um when Nick got the tag into Matt. Nick um Matt goes to super kick him. Jericho catches him, lets Nick go, and then gets him in the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very. You, you solid usually stuff. expect him to eat that super kick, but no, he caught him and just got him too. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, as far as as far as the match goes, again, my only complaint being that I felt like the, the hatred for the kind of storyline that they were building up just wasn't there. It was like the, it was a very athletic, competitive match, and you shouldn't have a competitive match when you're taking out parents and stuff like that. Yeah, I did like hear the sequence that they led into the the double uh, the the freaking double sharpshooters. Yeah, I loved like that right before this when uh, Matt hit that when they both hit the dual suicide dives. Matt held on to Jericho and he kept punching him so much to the point where I didn't see it. And I was like, why is Matt still there? And I was like, oh, he's got him in a headlock and he's punching him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, uh, I like the false finish where uh, Jericho hits Matt in the back with the baseball bat and then MJF hits the heat seeker DDT. Right. I thought they had it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. I thought that was it because like, Matt got hit hard with that. Yeah, also that, that sequence where uh, Jericho, he goes for the lion salt, and during the springboard elevation part, the Young Bucks manage to hit a super kick when he's descending down. Very risky yeah. to do a Jericho's big ass in the air like that. Almost didn't get the full rotation in that. But nonetheless, very cool. You could tell they had to adjust and hit him in the gut instead of the head, just because since he's coming from the middle of he's not going to be that high up. No, he's still got the rotation now, good so. Yeah, and also they they said in commentary, was it me or was it like they said Wardlow got hit with a Judas effect? Like, did the camera not catch all of it or something? Because it's like they said it, but I didn't see it. Yeah, it just it happened so fast. You had to be looking right at him to see it. So what was it? He got no, disoriented what, and hit it and hit winds up hitting Wardlow. Well, what it was, um, I think I think Wardlow had gone had gotten up on the apron, and I believe he grabbed Matt, and Jericho was and Jericho went to hit, but Max but Matt slipped out of the way at the last second. Gotcha. So pretty much Wardlow wound up eating that Judas effect. And that's why he was basically gone for the rest of the match after that. Wow. So that's going to be something that probably comes into play um, tomorrow. Yeah, know? it could. Yeah, I think it definitely will. But overall, I thought that the match was very physical. And like I said, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that you would expect from the Young Bucks, though, um, at a point where they should do something different uh, just because of the stakes of the match and everything that was going on. Uh, but nonetheless, if you're looking for the stuff that they do and all of the sequences that they've mastered, then you're going to get that again. You know, yeah, all... we're seeing right here. Freaking Nick has probably one of my favorite hot tags. Yeah. Probably one of the most fluid ones I think I've seen. This That, that poor boy ate every last bit of that destroyer. Yeah, no, it's cool stuff. It's definitely brutal. I love it as always. Um, good match, you know, just not what I expected. I guess that might be why it was in the opening. There wasn't like a lot of heat behind that match. Yeah, you know. 
uh, they had an, an interview with uh, Jericho and Wardlow backstage. Uh, not with, with Wardlow, with Jericho and MJF. Jericho and MJF. And, and the other Inner Circle members. Um, I'm going to run that here and talk about it. I think it's going to lead into something. Jericho, MJF, you failed to beat the Young Bucks tonight for the AEW World Tag Team titles here at Revolution. What is next for the Inner Circle? Failed? We failed to win the titles? You want to get your ass kicked, Marvis, you fathead idiot? Huh? We know we lost so the mean. match tonight. We should be the AEW World Tag Team Champions. We are better than the Young Bucks, and they know it, to paraphrase this guy. But the Inner Circle's been through so much over the last few months. Look, look how depleted we are right now. But we're an army. We are well-trained soldiers. And like any great army that needs to change its battle plans in the middle of a war, we're going to do that this Wednesday when we have the Inner Circle War Council. There's going to be some changes in this faction, and you're going to hear all about them on Wednesday. Isn't that right, Max? You know what, Chris? You're right. I've been thinking about this an awful lot, and it is time for a change. And I think a change can make the inner circle a whole lot better. Jim, Tony Excalibur, back to you. Failed at anything. I'm- yeah, so uh, is this it? Is this where them Jeff takes over the inner circle and kicks Jericho out of it? It could be. But then it also could maybe be breaking him away from Wardlow. Because I thought about it when Wardlow got hit. I was like, okay, maybe he hits Wardlow with the blame, gets rid of him, and it takes some of the heat off of him, I guess. But- I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see like, where this goes. Like they try to swerve us, right? Subvert your expectations and it'd be Yeah, like, like they, because it seems like that's kind of what they've been doing a little bit with this whole thing is like, when you think it's going to go in for the kill shot, it's like, no, it takes something else. So it's kind of like, it's, kinda, it's working its way around to there, but it's like kind of taking different turns here and there. I was thinking it would be something ironic, like if MJF gets rid of everybody else. Like, where were you guys? Why were you helping Jericho? You don't need well, to find everybody. Him and Jericho. <laughs> it's just him and Jericho. Could go that way. I don't. I have no idea what the hell they want to do here. You know, obviously, spoiler alert: it doesn't happen at the pay per view. I mean, they did say that it was going to be this this upcoming Wednesday. Anyway, so tag team casino battle royale is the next match. This had a shot at the Bucks. This was Matt. You know what? I, I'm not even going to list everyone in here. We'll go through it as they come out, which will help a little bit more. But there was a bunch of tag teams in this battle royale. Uh the finish. Well, no, no, let me go through the finish. Let's go through the whole thing. So the first team out. Do you know the teams in this? Oh my god, there were so many fucking teams. So the first team is the Natural Nightmares. It was Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall, uh, going up against the Dark Orders five and ten. So that's team one and two. I'm not going to go into all the spots and stuff here because this is long. And again, it's like we have a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, the third team in is the Inner Circles, Ortiz and Santana. Uh, and then after that, I believe QT. Hits a diamond cutter, eliminating. Uh, it was either five or ten. One of them, one of the numbered. I believe guys. it was five. Right, and uh, number four in this is Matt and Mike Seidel. Number five is the Dark Orders, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. Number six being the Gun Club of Austin and Colton Gunn. The Seidel brothers uh, wind up eliminating, getting eliminated by Santana and Ortiz, and they do it together. There's like a simultaneous. Uh, elimination here where like one right after the other they get rid of them uh 
They introduce, and if you didn't watch Dark, this is something else that came out of the second episode of Dark. They introduce uh, the tag team. Uh, I don't know if they were here before, but they're called the Pretty Picture, which is Caesar Bernani and Peter Avalon. I think they were here a little bit before this more recent Dark, but is it Caesar Bernani from NXT? Yeah, see, see uh, Bernani used to be in NXT. I think maybe a couple of years ago. Years ago, I feel like I've seen him in like this year. No, oh, no, he's been gone for a while. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I guess I don't know. Like, I guess I noticed that he was gone this whole time. More of a reason for him to uh to not be around. I guess. Yeah, he he was he was one, he was one of those guys. Our yeah. next entrance, and Cesar Bononi, the largest man in this match now, that has to give him an advantage, JR. Yeah, he's a big dude, I'll tell you that. It should help him navigate, not going over the top a little louder than others. Yeah. Uh- yeah, so Cesar Bonani. My Bonani has a first name. Remember that? And now it's on pay-per-view. What you got to do? Get your name out there. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee he's happy to actually be used in a place where somebody's going to fucking see him, though, so. Yeah, yes. I don't remember too much about him aside from his name, though. It's just because he was one of those guys that, like, if somebody new showed up in NXT and they were a big name, he was one of those guys you just feed to him. Mm-hmm. So, eight was Varsity Blondes, Ryan Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Who the fuck is Griff Garrison? He's, oh, he's been freaking Pillman's partner since he came to AEW, actually. Yeah, I know. That's a joke from uh from the uh the Brody Lee tribute. Oh yeah, remember they were right. showing the the thing the the whole. Oh yeah. yeah, we got we got Jungle Boy. That's not Jungle Boy. What the fuck is, is Griff Gibbs? <laughs> Austin oh, Gunn hit, hits the famous sir and eliminates Peter Avalon. Uh, also, he hits a famous son Bonani, but when he's in the process of attempting to eliminate him, uh, QT Marshall winds up eliminating both Gun Club members. But upon doing so, Goldust gets upset and he looks at his tag team partner QT Marshall and he's like, "What the hell, man? What's your problem?" Because they're in the they're part of the Nightmare Family. But you know what? My th- my thinking was, who the fuck isn't at this, at this point, right? right. Like, there's like 20 members of the Nightmare Family. I remember at one point on a on one of the Dark episodes recently, Taz brought up somebody else where he was like, "Oh, you know," and this person is also part of the Nightmare Family. And then uh, I believe it was Excalibur or whoever's there with him said, "No, no, not that I've heard of." And then Taz was like, "I'm pretty sure I heard on social media that person." That's what I'm saying. We talked on here about <laughs> how they get they announced on, on social media. There's so many Nightmare Family. What are you gonna do? I guess don't wrestle anybody. You know, just be really careful. You have like 12 people in your stable. If you have a better world, just don't enter it. Odds are half the people are gonna be in the fucking Nightmare Family. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like at what point it's like that's just a weird line to draw. You know, don't you find that weird? To me, that's more of a heel move. You have a big fucking stable like that, and you can't even face each other in in, in competition. So QT, I, I guess he he quit. Is what it seems like, right? Because he, he literally jumped over the top rope, which the way this battle royale worked out, I kind of like it this way more. Both members of the team had to be eliminated. Uh huh. So he abandoned his okay, tag. So he basically left Dustin by himself. He's at the he's perched to the ropes. Got to get him over. And Gun Club. And QT's going to help him. Oh, Gun Club. Wait a minute. Is the Gun Club part of the Nightmare family? QT's trying to tell Dusty he's he's after a championship here. He told him. What? QT just eliminated himself. And he spits at Dustin. What the hell? Yeah, it's like the Nightmare family tired shit. That's why. You do like, motherfucker, I want to win. Like, what do you mean? Yeah, that's pretty much all that is. You know? Number nine is Bear Country members Bear Boulder and Bear Bronson. Uh, fucking fucking Taz killed me on an episode of Dark when he was just like, there's a lot of BBs in here. 
<laughs> Stu Grayson manages to lift one of these bear guys before they eliminated him, so I give him credit Holy for that. Shit, that fucker's strong. Yeah, totally. Uh, Tennis Jurassic Express is Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And uh, yeah, the teams brawl for a little while here. I thought that this was, like I said, this was interesting for a tag team battle royal. And that's the first time you ever seen somebody have a breakup in the middle of a battle royal like that, you know? Yeah. So, and like it'd I be said. like and it'd be like a legit team. Because I almost started to say the last time I saw that was Rick with Cena and Michaels. But I was like, they weren't like a team team. That was yeah. more storyline than anything else. Mm-hmm. There was so many Dark Order members in here, so it's like they had an yeah, advantage they had, for like they had a good six amount people of time. In total, so their odds, they were had, they were sitting with really good odds to win this. Yeah, and they were owning for a lot of the thing there. You know, Los yeah. Santana and Ortiz destroying the feel good moment here. Which I kind of like that the fact that like they have so many members, they can have multiple tag teams of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and it's that's a the smart thing. move as a faction because then it changes, it increases your odds. Like, and that's the thing. That's what a tag team division should look like that's their tag team division is so healthy that they didn't even have every tag team in there right you know how many teams didn't show up in this match <laughs> their tag team division is so healthy that they didn't even need to have every tag team in there and you know how many tag teams were in there matt and mike seidel private party bear country butcher and blade the natural nightmares that are now extinct the varsity blondes scu Jurassic Express, Santana and Ortiz, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds and John Silver, Five and Ten, Pac and Ray Phoenix, Austin and Colton Gunn, uh, Caesar Bonani and Peter Avalon. That's like twelve teams or so, right 15 there. Fifteen tag teams. Is it? Yeah, it's a lot then. Yeah, I guess I yeah, it will be. It will be. You're right. You're absolutely that right because we have it on the count here. Yeah, look at that. So yeah, I mean that's and they all and there's there's, there's personality in all of them. You know, there's definitely personality there. And with the exception of a dark order, no two teams are just the same or just randomly really thrown together. Like all these teams are winners battle royale have had time to be teams. Mm-hmm. So Jungle Boy winds up eliminating Ortiz and then Luchasaurus hits a roundhouse kick and clothesline to elim- eliminate Caesar Banani. And he takes out Griff Garrison, I believe. Yeah, uh, he takes him out too. Jungle Boy tosses Santana over, so that eliminates that whole team. I don't know if I rem- I'm not going to remember every elimination. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Marco Stunt uh, hits the shitty Hurricane Rana on Stu Grayson. I mean, go back and look. I wish I had it here. Oh, no, no, that was, uh, that was Evil Uno. Or Evil Uno, I'm sorry. It was on Evil Uno. The poor guy has to practically eliminate himself. Like, he runs across the entire side of the apron and just bangs himself into the thing. You know, that's why you don't <laughs> have Marco Stunt out there. Uh, 11 is Butcher and Blade. And then uh, 10 gets eliminated by Butcher and, and uh, I don't know, Jack Evans was doing something there. Like, once again, what's with these cameras? Yeah, like, it, it, it's, it's, yeah, he was, uh, it was more shenanigans via Matt Hardy paying him off. Yeah, so he was like some half camera or to the side or some shit. Like, get the cameras in there, guys. What the fuck? Is everybody scared? You know, it's like the commentary had a different angle than we did there. Uh, we're speaking of Matt Hardy, though. After uh after Bunny um drags Dustin off of the apron, number twelve is private parties, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn. And then right behind him for thirteen is SCU's Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. Uh the Bears eliminate a dinosaur. How exciting is that shit, huh? Ain't <laughs> will play the motherfucker. Yeah, and then a butcher eliminates them. Look at that. It's actually canon with like the way it, it's, it's, re- it's a real food chain. Fascinating. Uh, 14 is Death Triangle, Pac and Ray Phoenix. And then uh, they eliminate one of the private party members. And uh, I'm trying to remember who the other person was that was out there with them. 
I think it was one of the Dark Order members. It got a little bit chaotic here. But the Dark Orders, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver are the last team out, bringing all 15 teams. And I was thinking to myself, unless there's a surprise here, um, those are going to be the teams. And uh, sure enough, that's what it was. So we knew mo- most of them going into this, more or less. We only you missed know. maybe like a couple. Mm-hmm. Look who's with us. John Silver, Alex Reynolds of Dark Order. Dark Order with three teams in this battle royale. And John Silver, oh, the boot to the back of the head of Daniels. The little man is athletic. He's strong as a bull. And look at that power. And Reynolds. Uh-oh, look out here. With, oh, the pile driver on oh, Daniels. I think I've ever seen that pile driver on another man. I think that knee went right into the solar plexus. That's dangerous. For Daniels. Isaiah Cassidy trying to tee off on Silver and Reynolds with the running knee lift. The common Geary. They've got Cassidy set up. They're looking for it. Dark Destroyer just spiked Cassidy on the top of his head. Got him at the ropes. Trying to shove him over. Here we go. And that's the end of him. Oh, that looks rough, man. Look how he landed there. <laughs> that lady did not look fun at all. People take some sacrificial bumps out there, man. Ain't nobody scared to die in this company. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that pile driver shit was crazy. Yeah, I've never seen somebody pile drive somebody into another man's stomach before. Like, that was. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, Butcher gets eliminated. I escapes me at this point, even who's left. I sort of lost track here, but I do know the Phoenix uh, hits a triangle springboard leg scissors, eliminating Daniel. So that's how he winds up out of there. Yeah. I think one of the coolest eliminations of the whole night. Who was it that Phoenix eliminated when he tightrope walked? It was Silver. He tightrope walked and kicked John Silver in the face and eliminates him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> the shit that dude does is ridiculous. What I actually really do um like, and I think they mentioned this when it came to both the tag team battle royale and the ladder match later on the night. This kind of like dynamic between Penta and Phoenix where Penta's kind of always been the big brother, the top dog, but Phoenix has kind of been climbing his way up into a more dominant role. So it mm-hmm. seems like later on in the night, it was kind of a thing where it's like Pentagon has to try to bridge that gap again. Yeah. And this so was cool to see, even though they're tag partners, it's still a little bit of like a sibling rivalry there. Yeah. And I did like seeing uh, John Silver, who's really been coming to his own. He's had like one of the strongest baby face turns that I've seen in probably the entire company. You know, and now he's uh he's taken a little bit more seriously when he's in the ring, but comedic when he's outside of the ring. Uh, yeah. So, I also thought that that was very solid. Pac looking. I forgot, I forgot well. how small he was until this match happened. And it's interesting to me getting uh back to the Death Triangle stuff. What you were talking about in regards to uh the just the, that team. Uh, it's funny because Phoenix is more portrayed with Pac now and Penta by himself. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of interesting. They're learning um. Pentagon try to take a little bit more of a singles run because both of them have had success as singles competitors and tag competitors. So it's interesting to see AEW kind of breaking Penta off into the singles division to see what he'll do. But then again, I guess it kind of works out because we've seen Lucha Brothers for years. And it's interesting now to see Phoenix with a different partner that's kind of similar to his brother, but more similar to him in, in the same way. Yeah. Because it works out, definitely. Like, Pac and Phoenix are an amazing team together. Mm-hmm. They really are. It works. It worked out better than I expected. 
So basically, just jumping through everything here, the last two teams, ironically, in this are the last two teams. Because <laughs> Death Triangles, Pac and Phoenix were 14, and the Dark Orders, Alex Reynolds and John Silver were 15. Uh, so it's weird because the Dark Order couldn't have had more of a handicap in this. They had, what, six members in the thing together, and then the last two yeah. guys are the freshest ones because they got to come out last. So, of course, they're going to be the last ones there. Uh, I kind of thought that that was going to be an excuse for Jungle Boy to win it because of the fact that Jungle Boy was down on the outside while these two teams were feuding. But that's not the case at all here. Uh, but Ray Phoenix, as you said, this is the point where he tightrope kicks John Silver out. Death Triangle then tries to go up against uh, Jungle Boy. Phoenix hits another one of his crazy ass splashes. I mean, his ass at this point must be padded. <laughs> that motherfucker is not afraid. It's Ray ridiculous. Phoenix is a he's a highlight reel until he dies. <laughs> and he already died once, right? That's how he became that the whole thing. He became a Phoenix. And yeah, the, and Lucha. Three or four times Lucha Underground. <laughs> yeah, you see what I mean? Like I watched the last one recently. <laughs> Those guys nuts, man. Taken down to the rope. Be, be careful. Slides to the outside. Phoenix. Child. God Almighty. A hundred <laughs> miles an hour comes Ray Phoenix. No, it was it was between the the top and it was between the top and center strand. Yeah, okay. Aubrey Edwards toe. Rick Knox. It was between. You're right. Hello and maybe good night. Like that. What a hell of a final. (laughs) That's a nut sequence now with these dudes. He's got a wild. Jurassic No! Phoenix held on! Jungle Boy's in trouble! I love that move. And that's how he get he goes over. Phoenix winning. I, I love that it came down to one member of both teams. Yeah. So it's literally it's all or nothing at that point. Yeah, that was cool. Very nice stuff there. Yeah, so now Pocket Fiends get themselves a tag title shot somewhere down the line. So far, so good with the with the show, though. You know, now looking back in yeah. reflection, you know, because I didn't really have much time to think about it after it ended. But yeah, looking back, that's pretty solid. You know, exactly. Uh, next we have the AW Women's World Title match of Hikaru Shida defending her championship against Ryu Mizunami. Finish being Hikaru Shida via roundhouse knee. Yeah, almost like a Japanese buzzsaw kick. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, Nyla Rose coming straight from Outworld without changing, coming through the portal. <laughs> Attacks both of them. Ah, there you saw her. What the hell was that? <laughs> then Brick came out too, along with Reba. Mm-hmm. There was there was total chaos here. I'm gonna actually run. I think we got something here with that. And Hikaru coming to the aid of the challenger. And look at look at Dr. Britt Baker and Maki Ito. And Rebel! Rebel without the crutch. Oh, stop. But she just remembered the limp. Yeah, she had switched. And look at, look at Britt get, just hammer the champion. And, and Maki Ito biting the fingers of me. She bites fingers, man. What a heel. The, the woman who eliminated <laughs> Maki Ito from that Women's World Championship. Eliminator. Too many people are wearing red. Good grief. Every, everybody's wearing red, except for Vicky. Oh, it's Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa. Oh, they're scattering now. She's at Thunder the Rosa comes out and right at Baker. clears the ring. 
Thunder Rosa with Dr. Britt Baker. Thunder Rosa scattering the heels. And luckily for Sheeta and Mizunami, Thunder Rosa here. Yeah, former tag team partners and old friends. There you go. Oh, God. Yeah, this match was brutal. Yeah, really brutal stuff. They're like, I definitely like the fact that we have Ryu Mizunami. I'm hoping that also Maki Ito sticks around. I hope that's the one that sticks yeah. around, to be honest. But I did like watching the match. I mean, um, they did announce at some point during the night that um, Ito will, I believe, be in a, in a match on Wednesday. So she probably is sticking around. Yeah. I think that that's what this division needed, though. It needed like there to be like a dose of brutality between everyone, you know. Like it just needed oh, us yeah. to be able to start seeing like just hard hitting, experienced girls going at it and like giving it their all. And they're doing a lot of that there, which uh, I definitely give them credit for, you know. Yeah, they they definitely brought a lot better girls in instead of just trying to work with what they had. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good reboot. Like, if this is considered like a reboot of their division, then they did like a really good job getting that out of the way. You know? Yeah, but these girls beat. The- I love the backstory behind this, too, because it kind of all for Sheeta came down to one thing that Rio said to her, and it was that you could wrestle for a hundred years and you'll still never beat me. Yeah, that's harsh. That's and that there is- were points where you could see Sheeta doing certain things. Like, she hit her with that. That uh, what what they call it, the crunchy? It's like that variation of a pile driver on the outside. And when she rolled back in the wind, she was smiling. Like, what was that about hundred years, bitch? But yeah, this is there's a sequence coming up right here. And since then, these two two women have almost kind of changed place, places. She is still more more rigid, the more traditional fighter. Where we saw Mizunami likes to have fun at her opponent's expense. He's attempting tonight, and man, she's got. Well, if she can hook her, buddy. They're in no woman's land. Yes, they are, man. They and and look look at her fight up. That great, great counter that time, holding onto the ropes. It might be good for both of them. But they don't want to. Oh, oh no. Sheeta. Well, look at this. Not a DVD on the. She's got the challenger on her shoulders. Mizunami. Oh no. Well, look out here. It's not good. That's not crunchy out Duh. on. Yeah, like, why are you so happy, psycho? She was saying, like, well, what was that about 100 years? Yeah, <laughs> this took about 25 off at least. <laughs> How much of your life am I going to waste? <laughs> like, motherfucker, we got 100 years, bitch. I got time for this ass woman. <laughs> Yeah, and I love how they went back to the same thing they did on Wednesday where they grabbed hands and just started beating the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, oh, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that uh, Sheeta held it, and I want to see exactly where this goes. Yeah, but I mean, they. I definitely want to see them go at it again. Yeah. So here comes either more smart booking. We'll see when we get there, or uh, or just furthering their mistake with the shovel because you get more Paul White hyping the superstar. Paul White. I was wondering to see if I could possibly get a little bit of insight as to who possibly might be signing here tonight. You know, I, I absolutely love this. You know, I mean, uh, everyone that's reached out to me between social media and my friends that have texted me, they all want to know. I'm going to tell you who does know. Myself, Tony Khan, and the talent involved. And I told Tony Schiavone, he's used to getting the big scoops around here, but now I'm here. And I'm so proud of our show that's going to start March 15th on YouTube, which is AEW Dark Elevation. I'm going to get to do some great color commentating, and I'm going to have the scoops. So in spirit of AEW teamwork... I'll give you a little hint. This particular talent, I don't think anyone here can outwork them. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Well, 
nobody can outwork this talent in the entire world on the planet. Saikyo Senshida, strongest fighter. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm hype at this point. <laughs> I'm like Mojo. I'm it's just spo- staying hype. I made a conscious decision to stay and spo- hype. And spoiler marks, it wasn't CM Punk. No, no. I just had to make those dumb fucks cry because they do this shit all the time. Hmm. So, um, they thought what was an angle? Oh, the Paul White Wait, thing. I, I, guess, oh, yeah, I guess somebody's showing up. We'll see. We'll get there. We're getting there. <laughs> Tag team match of Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy going up against Kip Saban and Miro being accompanied by Penelope Ford with the finish being Miro roundhouse kick, super kick, accolade. Or what do they call it here? Miro lock? Game over. Game over? Really? Yeah. All right, whatever. I guess because he plays games. Yeah. As opposed to everyone else in all of the locker rooms across all of the different companies. He specifically plays. I know he plays a lot of games. I'll give him credit for that. But everybody games. Who doesn't game? Who doesn't game? But they don't talk about it. They don't rip it. No. <laughs> I love how this match started. <laughs> you must not like Chuck Taylor then. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> the, the, the sacrifice had to be made. Somebody had to be sacrificed. Yeah, basically, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor get attacked before the match even starts. It is a match we have been champing at the bit to see here at Revolution. Best friends, Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, squaring off against Kip Sabian and Meadow. Whoa! Oh, didn't I tell you? I love it, Sally. Wow. Didn't I tell you? I love how he tells them they hit his music and then fucking Justin Roberts still trying to go through the incompetently announcing. That is amazing. That motherfucker said, I'm about to get my check and I am announcing this shit. Yeah, he got his money there. <laughs> then they wind up beating him up. and uh, But eventually, Cassidy does show up recovered. Wow. Freaking Chucky's been taking his bumps in the ring. Cassidy winds up getting to uh, throw his orange punch out there. I love how when and, Cassidy came out, he was still trying to get his elbow pads on. Mm-hmm. He winds up hitting Miro with it. He hits the beat break stomp uh, combo on Kip, which looked really good. You know, he even got to hit those lazy kicks that he likes to hit. And his stun dog millionaire. I popped for the lazy kicks just because I haven't seen him do it in so long. Yeah, no, that that, that is hilarious stuff. Um, it's such a funny spot. Like, it's like, even when you make it more serious, it's still funny. Oh, to see it's Nero's amused. Look at him. Look at this scene. Orange punch. Oh, the- Orange punch was thwarted. The round kick. Stunned on millionaire. He's got the big man reeling. Miro on roller skates. Orange Cassidy. He's got an orange punch to a knee. And he's on weak legs, spaghetti legs, but but he's still holding himself up. Miro didn't get off his feet. Yeah, Penelope basically gets on the. She stops him on the ropes. Then Miro winds up on pushing Orange into Penelope. He takes a rough bump on the outside, and his glasses go flying, and then Miro winds up. This is where he hits that roundhouse kick. And then essentially what looks like a urinagi. Almost like a, I don't know exactly if that's what you would call it. You know, uh, winds up after that hitting Chuck with the high boot. 
take him out. And, uh, you know, the rest of the season I finished that we talked about where Miro's roundhouse kick, super kick, uh, game over. I like the way he does it now, though, because like, he held his arms clasped out in front of him and then just, like, snap-locked him into it. Yeah. Like, it looked like it almost made it hurt worse. Mm-hmm. That might be the graphic. What, like, right before he, like, snaps him into the shit? Like, what, what you're seeing on screen right, right now? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, definitely uh, has a look. Cassidy looks like he glitched out. That's Fucking golden. Todd Howard made an AEW game. That is amazing. <laughs> now we get to the big money match. Matt Hardy versus Adam Page. Winner gets 100% of the fur a Q1 earnings for this year. Finish to this being the Dark Order catching Hangman falling off of the ropes after taking an attack from Matt Hardy. And then they lift him back up, pushing him into the ring so he can recoil into his buckshot lariat on Matt. And then afterwards, how- we get the group hug and beers. Who wouldn't want that? Right? I mean, hey, 20, last year was stressful. All right, we all need a beer at this point. Mm-hmm. It's a celebration that everybody wanted and no one knew they needed. Completely intended. Hangman Adam Page, your winner. That Larry would make Stan Hansen proud. Yes, it would. They all applaud him. He's bleeding a little bit from the mouth. He's got marks on the back. As you can see, oh, group hug. You love to see it. Cocabana bringing in the cold one, too. My God, Dark Order's got their own beer. Is it their own beer? Some, uh, or buy some, some hangman wine. <laughs> that Dark Order Kool-Aid. Yeah, but they should have drank. Just tastes like beer. Yeah, so Hangman, does this make he's officially part of the Dark Order? So, when I saw him embrace everybody, it feels more as if I'm not a part of the Dark Order, but these are my friends. Right. Well, he's just joined already. Good God. Yeah. Join, man. You could hang out with negative one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good match. I did like the match. Oh, yeah. A really good match. Good spots here, you know. Uh, good back and forth. You had uh, Paige who did that diving uh, sledge off the steps into Matt. Yeah. That was pretty I love brutal. Matt working um, on Hangman's fingers, like bending them in the turnbuckle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, it was it was brutal. It was weird because they had more brutal, they had more of a brutal match than the than the Bucks who had like their literal parents on the line, you know. <laughs> and this was just for like money. That goes to show money's the ultimate motivator here. Because <laughs> I gotta beat my kids. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, I got kids. This was the real. I got kids. Daddy, daddy already paid, but I got, got kids, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, nice brutal, hard hitting stuff going on here. Um. Between the two of them. One of my favorite spots, I think, was a page reversing a side effect into a crucifix pin. Yeah, that did look good. That is a level of timing and body control. I don't think I've seen anybody have on Matt Hardy. Yeah, page takes a nasty German off the top where Hangman Hangman is like, uh, he's sort of clutching the rope to try to block it, but he winds up having to eat it. Um, He also hits that Arihara Moon Soul to the outside winds up bashing the back of his arm into the barricade. It looks red for the rest of the uh the match commentary comments on his right arm here. Uh at one point Hardy gets caught with dead eye, but the private party guys wind up getting on the apron and they wind up distracting the count there. They get up there whenever Matt needs to recover. Uh and like you mentioned, I I believe you mentioned the, the or at least 
one of the points with the side effect that I liked was the countering the buckshot lariat into the side effect twist of fate for the false finish looked really yeah. good. And, uh, yeah, really solid. At the end, Dark Order had to come out to get that shit straightened out. And that's where, uh, that's where the finish comes in and friendship prevails. And they said that yeah. he's rich in friendship and money. So he gets the ultimate happy ending. If you listen closely, you can hear him getting fucked up right now. <laughs> that motherfucker said, we bring, that motherfucker said, mama, we drinking that good shit tonight. Drinks on him. Just like Bobby Lashley. Hell no. Nah. They want to put the same fucking bar. Yeah, right. So next we have the AWTNT titles number one contender face of the revolution ladder match with Scorpio Sky, Lance Archer, Cody Rhodes, Penta El Cero Miedo, Max Caster, and the unveiling of the mysterious number six. I was at the edge of my seat, dude. You don't understand. I had a bottle in my hand. I clenched it. My hand was bloodied. Didn't even realize it. You fucking stupid. You know that, right? <laughs> and it was Haya Karate Man. No, it was all evil Ethan Page. You fuck off right there. It was Ethan Page. And I guarantee right now, the fr- I guarantee right now, I can tell you exactly what Tony told him when they made this match. He was like, I promise you, you're not going to wrestle Karate Man after this match is over. And he was fucking sold. Because, because know, I, I don't know if you heard, he was legit pissed off that Impact did him like that. Yeah, but I I heard that, that he felt really disrespected by Impact doing it. But didn't he physically have to be Karate Man in those videos in order to be disrespected? Like, how did he come out as the karate man fighting himself and have that footage and at the same time be the guy who tweeted out that this is awful and he's humiliated so, that Impact did that? I can't... God, I, I almost wish I could find the freaking Reddit post now. But it was something along the lines of, like, they told him it was going to be one way and then when it came to time came time to do it, they just wanted to do it that. I'm not fully buying that, man, because there are certain things that he would have had to do that there's no other way for you to think that it was going to come out. Like dressing in a fucking karate suit and ripping your own heart out. There's no way that they could have cut or directed that. It's not about how they like you see what I mean? Like it's not about how they cut it out or, or how it was directed or, or shot or what was in the background. He physically was dressed as a fucking karate man fighting himself. Like as an actor, even, how little control or common sense would you have to have over your filming to be the both characters and not know how it was gonna come out? You're, you're player one and player two. All of the shots that they're editing together are of you versus you. All of the script exchanges are of you speaking to you. You must have some idea. You know what person A and person B said and did in the script, right? <laughs> so that was my issue when I heard that Ethan Page complaining shit. That's why I didn't bring it up um, in our Monday show because I found it a little weird. I was like, what do you mean when you say that they fucked you over? Because like, you go ahead. I almost started to say, but then again, this is the same place. I don't know if AJ Styles would have agreed to take everybody's friends or they get pinned by Magnus. So, yeah, which was that was all. I mean, I was one of I was hot on here when that happened. Like, wait, 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 on? Once I hear shit like that, and then I remember this is the same company that did that shit, and I'm like, mm, maybe hey, we could plan that. Aka Ashley, what's up? Yeah, but that's just not how you how you would do something like that, you know? Yeah, in a normal company, but then this is fucking shitty impact. Do we ever do we really put it past him at this point? Like, no, but I'm just saying the guy had to have had some accountability for for doing that uh that gimmick, you know. Anyway, Ethan Page is here. I honestly, I didn't really feel anything for it. It's almost like so far twice this week, which I guess we'll get into more possibly tomorrow. But the Eli Drake stuff 
to me is just like the Ethan Page thing. I, I sometimes confuse the guys. It's just here's another generic looking guy who doesn't really do much to get over. I don't really care is there. It's like, sure. Um, I especially watched him in this match to see what he does that's good, which I guess we'll get into. The finish to this, though, is Scorpio Sky. He beats Cody off of the ladder, punches him down, and then looks down defiantly as Cody's body, essentially. And then calmly, casually, climbs up and pulls literally the brass ring down. Yeah, they, wanted, they literally had a brass ring up there. They wanted him to look strong, clearly. It wasn't even yeah, like a like, struggle yeah. at the end. It was like he hit Cody like, get the fuck off me. And then he looked down at him like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the winner. Was Everyone was like, down yeah. but Scorpio. He stood there at the top of the mountain holding the glowing sword of King Arthur Excalibur. You know, it was crazy. Like, they really fucking wanted him to look strong. And he did. He looked really strong. Holy shit. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, please don't cry. I mean, I know I know you're disappointed. You're as disappointed as we are about the, uh, about the, the explosion at the end, but... You know, don't cry. <laughs> Pentagon, uh, as far as sequences in this. No, that was a joke, Ashley. But yeah, seriously, hope you don't have anything bad to cry about. But anyway, Pentagon sling blades um, Archer while Archer is holding a ladder, leading to it landing on him. Uh, it looked like he did keep it from hitting him in the face, though. Yeah. SCU Germans Pentagon while he's holding a ladder, causing it to fly fly off. At one point, Jack Evans runs down with a boombox and gets a spine buster from 10. Uh, Max Caster's using that boombox as a weapon on uh on Cody. Uh, Ethan Page is uh, he's kind of shitty. Like he fucks up right away. Like it was like right out the, the right right out of the gate. The guy just fucks up immediately. One of his very first spots, he nearly killed Scorpio. Um, I'm not even sure how how we would call that. He um, it would look he was trying to do a tilt the world gut buster. Is that what that was? What what the fuck? Yeah, that, that's what, what he was trying to do. Something about when he grabbed Scorpio, he didn't rotate him as good as he should have. He nearly killed him. You know, you can't. You got to be careful with that kind of shit. Um, he he does do a good uh crucifix. He crucifixes uh Scorpio onto the lower back um he of calls Archer it on a Splash Mountain. Who was sandwiched in the ladder? What fucking Archer? I feel so bad for him when he took that shit. I was like, oh no! And then like later on in the match, he fucking does the same thing. The Archer's big ass. Mm-hmm. And also, Pentagon hits Cody with a destroyer on a ladder that's sandwiched across the apron and the barricade, which looks solid. Um, at one point, Scorpion and Panther they just crash and burn off of the ladders together. I don't know what the thing was. It was just kind of like, fuck. Let's just fall together. It was one of those things. Like ah. Uh, nice sunset bomb. He sunset bombs page off of the ladder. I wish Excalibur shortened his descriptions because he was like, that was a good, uh, I figure what he said, but he didn't call it a sunset bomb. It was just like, it was good the way he jumped and power bombed him off of the top of that ladder into the, it was like, dude, sunset bomb off the, you know, like just go, 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 go. What are you doing? We ain't got all day now, but yeah, this, right, it's as late it's as what, it is. This Jesus. is why Taz give you shit on dark. Exactly. You're the reason this is after 1130. Nah, he isn't, but <laughs> yeah, big splash um from uh freaking Scorpio onto Caster, who's laid out laid out on a ladder across the uh, across the ring. There, I thought that was brutal as well. Watch this big chance, high risk, high reward. splash finds its mark. Both men are. Yeah, brutal stuff, man. Good looking stuff in this match for sure. 
Um, Archer catches Scorpio with a rising knee. That was brutal. That sends him to the outside. And burn through that ladder. Yeah, he winds up crashing big time and burning through that freaking ladder. I thought that was one of the crazier looking bumps of the evening. Here it is right here for you guys. Sky! But what about the strength of Archer? He just dragged Sky back into the ring with one hand. Look at this. He's not getting up from that case. Good grief. The rising knee strike. And the back against the, I think maybe the point. These motherfuckers tried to kill each other in this match. Yeah, no, they weren't playing around. Fucking Pentagon hit several beautiful super kicks with a knee slap. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Yeah, this, oh my God, this match was crazy. Yeah, really crazy stuff. Um, Cody winds up taking a nasty bump, uh, which basically puts him out as for, for, for the rest of the, uh, for the rest of the time. And so he winds up staggering back with his bad arm and his belt and he's belt. Yeah. This was actually after uh, the destroyer when he had to get taken to the back. Yeah. Yeah. It was the destroyer that did it. And, uh, he winds up coming back, belts a few people. He belts somebody off of the ladder. He hits a crossroad. I think it was Ethan Page. He belts off of the ladder, hits him with a crossroads. Yeah. Um, he winds up taking a superplex from Archer off of the ladder. Um, and the Max Caster follows up with an elbow drop to Cody's back. Like he took a brutal beating here. Um, uh, like actually, <laughs> I love that when he got to the top of that ladder with Archer, my first instinct was, Oh God, they got a tower of doom up there. Yeah. Right. But no, he takes a nasty ass bump. Are you kidding me? Oh my god! Oh! The suplex! Angling on that bad shoulder! And now Platinum Max Caster! Oh, that claim to fame! The big elbow! Yeah. Caster winds up taking a blackout on the ladder. Uh, look like it sucks. Ethan Page hits Archer with a crucifix powerbomb, so Jake gets involved hitting page with the short clothesline because even at his age that clothesline still just as effective i guess i love how he i love how robert's pop for himself like i can fucking still do it <laughs> weekly planet says sonic ring it's the brass ring but it does look like the sonic the hedgehog ring doesn't it that they're trying to fight over like they're trying oh to get the, God, the one of them should jump through it so they could get to the fucking chaos emerald dimension oh dude oh dude wouldn't it be fucking great if every time somebody took a bad bump fucking ring shot out of him and just- Everybody else's fine. Everybody's final bump was when they were just outer rings. Unbelievable. Uh, Cody hits a springboard cutter, but for some reason, Penta jumps too far into him, or he jumps too far back, and they just collide hard. And instead of something about that angle threw them both off a little bit. Instead of covering a JR, just goes. That's about as ugly of a Cody cutter as you can see. Sorry, give a shit. Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> like, what y'all gonna do? Throw me out the show? Oh man, Jerry's like, ain't nobody in my ear in this company. Fuck y'all. A lot of risk in those matches, though, you know. Tell you, man, AEW ladder matches are scared. Yeah, no, that's the real deal there. All right, so, oh boy, how do we tackle this next thing? Because this is it. It is the official contract signing of their uh, of their worthy person. There, what was it? What was the wording that they used? Again? It said "Hall of Fame worthy." Of their Hall of Fame worthy person, and uh, 
that person turned out to be Christian Cage. Going back to his old Indian name. I mean, yeah, going back to his original name. Yeah. So. When he said that, when he said Hall of Fame worthy and then I saw Christian come out, I thought about it and I was like, yeah. I, how long have we been hearing people say, yeah, Christian should be in the Hall of Fame? And I was like, I thought about it and I was like, okay, see, that makes sense now. I will not speak first on this, but I am curious to hear anyone in the chat room, you, Destin, on the call. I just want people's opinions um, of this announcement. So I've been hearing different names all week long. What I like about it is that it's a name I don't think anybody thought about, but it's because we had just seen him show up at the Rumble. So it was for me. See, I think this is at least for me as a wrestling fan. I feel like it's become a lost art to be surprised by certain things nowadays. Like with all the way we have dirt sheets and everything, nothing really comes as that major of a shock anymore. Nothing's ever like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. Did not see Christian coming at all. But when I heard the music, I was like, that sounds familiar. I was like, who fucking did all this? It's fucking Christian. (laughs) So, So at least from my point of view, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm looking forward to see what he does. It would have been interesting to see him in WWE a little bit longer, but truth be told, I lost so much faith in them. I don't think they would have given us what we wanted anyway. So I'm kind of yeah, I'm curious to see what 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 he does. Yeah, Stasis literally saw it coming. Like that was her guess, you know, that was her direct guess. Yeah, see, I hadn't even thought about Christian because I think the last time I thought about Christian, I was hearing like T and I was like that 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 the Rumble wasn't a one off. So I was just like, hmm, I wonder when he's going to show up in WWE again. But then this happened, and I was like, oh, okay. And that's another thing. You don't, like, the fact that he used his TNA music and his TNA countdown was kind of off-putting to me. Like, yeah, it's good when things happen that you don't expect. I didn't expect Bruce Willis to die in a fucking puddle of water. <laughs> Spoiler alert if you like M. Night Shyamalan movie. Sorry. That <laughs> franchise ended like shit. If it's supposed to be about superheroes, you ain't so fucking super. If that can happen, but I didn't like it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, shit. It's just, it's just where it is, you know? Oh, oh. my God. It was, I, like, I don't know, man. Like, what the hell? Isn't Christian, like, what is he, 54 or some shit? I'm not sure, but whatever age he is, he's in fantastic somebody, shape. Somebody like, share with me his age. Please. Someone searched this man. And I've I've always said Christian's excellent. You guys know that. I've been pro-Christian for a while. King Quest thought it would have been Carlito? 47. 47. Okay, I was off by a lot. But... Yeah, so he's about, what, around same age as Edge right now, right? I I mean, I guess. I don't know why the hell I thought it was so old. So, So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know know somewhere on social media, I think he posted like a side-by-side of like him when he started training for the Rumble and him like the day before. So I was like, yeah. Dude's in great shape. I mean, if we didn't have a problem with Edge, why do we have a problem with Christian? Yeah. Anyway, we're going to just bring this out here for you guys to check out. I just realized that. For that man, Christian Cage in AEW. Who the hell the fuck? 
Christian comes out here. I mean, he got a reaction, I guess. Oh, that, that dude got the biggest pop of the fucking night. Fuck a reaction. He got a better reaction than the exploding ring. Yo, Stacy said negative one had a better introduction. One would assume is one of the motivators. Wait, sorry, You're gonna have to say that again. I said everybody's excited for children. That doesn't count. That would have been the name of the episode if this yes. was on Monday, because it would have raised eyebrows. Everyone's excited for children. <laughs> 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 but no, it, it, I just thought about something. Why they were able to pull off giving him basically his old TNA music? Because uh, that, that's actually the instrumental for an Eminem song. That's what Impact I remember. Basically, just changed the tone. So Tony Khan probably bought it. Yeah, but, but that con one. But yeah, that's um, the instrumental for "My Last Breath" by Eminem. So yeah, that's his gimmick. Outwork everyone. Damn. And he doesn't really say anything. He just comes out, does that, and just leaves. Doesn't say a single word. <laughs> I'm, say, I'm trying to get out of here. Let me get 10 matches on this fucking pay-per-view. The gimmick is to outwork everyone. So there's a few things. I really wish that, I know it's late, later than usual. I really wish I could hear from more people how they felt about Christian being there. But for me, it's like, why? Why? Why use his TNA music? Um, and then the big show thing or Paul White, the whole entire thing was this was someone who Paul White brought into the company, right? Yeah. They didn't even have Paul White on the pay-per-view. Paul White didn't even introduce him. He had nothing to do with him being there. It was just like his music hit, his old music from TNA in 2005. Uh, he walked out, signed the contract on the floor. And there wasn't even a fucking table there or anything. No one was there to even introduce him. There was no Tony Schiavone this time. He's, I guess he's not Sting material. You know, it was just like walk to the ring with his lackadaisical music and sign the shit on the floor. Don't give a promo and then just walk away and unveil your shirt. Like the guy who's been putting you over the whole time, Paul White, wasn't even there to help put him over there, you know. But I will say this. I'm surprised because I'm seeing something on social media that I have not seen before. I'm seeing management, specifically Tony Khan, getting heat for this. The fans turned on Khan this time. They didn't turn on Christian. They feel that Christian was taken advantage of. I'm not saying I'm agreeing with them. I'm saying this is what's going around. I said I, this is I brought up earlier that I was on Twitter looking for reactions. A lot of people are under the impression that Tony Khan took advantage of Christian uh, by over-promoting him. And people feel that Christian is a great talent to have. And that just having a great talent like that come out without the hype would have been more advantageous. And that as a result of Tony Khan's over-promoting the hype of this, then now Christian is an innocent bystander who, as a result, is going to pay for it. So that's one perspective going around. Shame on you, Tony Khan, for hyping this guy to sell pay-per-views, to get pay-per-view buys is the accusation. Just becoming a car salesman. Some people called him a used car salesman. Saying he's just basically trying to get that get the money through the door this month, get the pay-per-view buys by hyping something, get you to buy it, and then that's it. And in this case, it was Christian, and that there's nothing wrong with Christian or his style or his wrestling or his popularity, but it's just the fact that they tried to hype it up to a level that they shouldn't have done. 
Do you agree with that perspective? Well, I what what do you not hype up one of the people that put the ladder and tables, ladder and chair matches on the fucking map? And I mean, if this was any other little random little guesses I've seen on social media, probably wouldn't have had a problem. Like I just I don't see how Christians an innocent bystander is fucking Christian. <laughs> it's not like it's some random Tom, Dick, and Larry off the street. It's a former world champion and one of the most successful tag team wrestlers in the entire game. Right. Okay. If you're you're listening to this on demand, also feel free to send us, DM us, or email us, whatever contact you use, your opinion in regards to this. I want to hear. I'm just curious about the consensus. I felt conflicted. The other side, because let's not forget, there's an AW versus WWE war. This is my second wrestle war I've, I've lived through. There's always the other side. The other side are people who are saying all of you WWE marks, because obviously if you don't agree with this move, you're automatically on WWE side. All of you WWE marks, and I've heard this literally verbatim from tons, dozens and dozens of Twitter accounts, were so happy to see him in the Royal Rumble. But now he's here in AEW and you're pissed off and disappointed. Typical WWE marks. Do you agree with that? side so there are people like that that exist that's definitely true but i don't think that's everybody who watches wwe like i've kind of i've noticed that there's a type of fan out there that doesn't get necessarily talked about the same it's the fans that are just happy to see their favorite wrestlers going somewhere and doing something and not just sitting around like i've i've seen i've even during the event i was talking to people who um they watch WWE, they don't watch AEW, but they hear Christian showed up and it's like, hmm, well, that's different. Like, I kind of, I, I, I've, I'm I've, almost over the whole one versus the other thing at this point. Like, let's just all just watch wrestling. If your favorite wrestler goes somewhere else, take a look and see what they're doing. If you don't like it, go back to the other thing. It's as simple as the click of the button nowadays. Yeah, so my opinion with this whole thing, and I can see that opinion. My opinion of this whole thing is that it was definitely overhyped. I was thinking to myself, this is going to be a big mistake. Like, I was worried about if it was, I was thinking to myself, if it's someone like a Rob Van Dam, that's going to be, you know, a mistake just because it's not that RVD isn't great, but just because when you use words like Hall of Fame, people are automatically going to think a certain way. And this, I feel it was deliberately led to make people speculate. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been been so much hype and anticipation in the first place. So I do feel like they did somewhat take advantage of this being a pay-per-view thing. Um, And that it didn't need that level of hype. He should have just been announcing these people is becoming a really bad habit of this company. Doing it on social media is becoming an even worse habit. The big show thing should have been a secret and and so should the Christian thing. They don't, but they're trying. That's the whole point. It couldn't be a secret because the objective was to sell the pay-per-view. The way they did it made it too blatant of an attempt to sell the pay-per-view. And if they want to prove us wrong, it's really simple. They kind of booked themselves into a corner here. Now this Christian shit has to count because there's a lot of skeptics out there, myself included, who are now going to see how he's used. How he's utilized in the next month is going to be more telling to me of whether or not this was to sell just that pay-per-view or whether this was going to have some long-term booking or just something that was going to be worthwhile which I question how it would be. Now, as far as people saying, oh, you know, you typical WWE marks, you were happy when he was in the Royal Rumble. 
you know, but you, but now he shows up in AEW and you're pissed off. You can't compare someone signing a contract with a company after this level of hype to someone being in the Royal Rumble. What a stupid comparison. The Royal Rumble was designed for you to anticipate and be happy to see people and have surprise appearances of people that you haven't seen for a long time. That's this intent and purpose. That's the equivocal of if I had like a family reunion or a 4th of July barbecue, and I like seeing my family members there because that's the intent and purpose. I want to see my grandmother and my aunts or whoever, and we're going to see each other, and we go to with the intent and purpose. Then my grandmother my aunt tells me, hey, you know, we have a surprise for you for you and your wife. I'm like, oh, great. I love surprises. You know, we'll let you know soon. You know, and then one day they just kind of come visit, surprise, come into my bedroom. I don't want them. The point being, it's different from a family reunion for me to come into my bedroom on Saturday while I'm fucking or something. You know what I mean? That's a different kind of family reunion. And just because one's positive doesn't mean the other one's positive. One's intended. You, I'm allowed to see you in this reunion. Don't be in my fucking bedroom. It took a second, a second half to kick in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's, what, that's what I'm looking at. Where it's kind of like you can't compare two completely different things like that. Where it's like so the, the Royal Rumble, the purpose of the Royal Rumble is to see people you haven't seen in a long time and have that feel-good moment. Especially because you don't know who all is going to be there. Just because they were happy to see Christian there doesn't mean that they thought that Christian should be built up and put in a role where he's hyped like that. I'm sure they would have been just as happy to see Hacksaw Jim Duggan there. Do you think that that means that if he would have come out for the contract signing, I would have been okay with that shit? You know, it's just it's just weird. Like, you can't compare. And I'm not saying I'm conflicted both ways. But I'm just saying for people that are going, oh, you liked them in the Rumble, but you didn't like them here. You could like a lot of people in the Rumble, you know? But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm con- I want to hear more how other people feel about this. But for me, it, it uh, I, I don't know. I didn't do it. I think, honestly, it felt like a TNA move. They've never felt more like TNA to me than they do now. As much as I felt like they were going in the TNA direction, I was thinking Kurt Angle because of how much they remind me of TNA. I was expecting him to hear rise out of the fucking ground, focus and get up. <laughs> you know, like I was waiting for the top one. <laughs> God. that's where my head was so that's literally how how my mentality was going with this entire thing so christian to me is not a far cry because it was around that era you know or samoa joe would have been another one you know i'm surprised it wasn't the best but i mean they really remind me of tna i mean he came out with tna music oh man and they and this company's supposed to be focusing on young and up and coming indie talent that hasn't had a chance and stuff and the more we see it we come on here every week man i feel like i'm like, like i'm repeating history this is a third time this is the third time in my life that this entire thing is played out and it's just hard to ignore it's just so difficult to ignore the same shit happening with the same people for the third time like there's no other way that this can go unless they make some changes in my opinion right now like this is literally like, how many times are we going to try to beat the same company the same fucking way? I mean, considering they're already making more progress than the other two have. Just on, a, just on, on NXT. Just on NXT, though. Yeah, and NXT was the only thing they sent. How'd that work out for them? But what I'm saying is that Ross is most vulnerable right now when it comes to ratings and disadvantages and not having, like, the arenas that they can normally book and the venues and the pyro and the kind of shows. they Like, dude, in a couple of months when everything gets normal again, they're going to go ham. With all the money that they've been saving and shit and with all the ideas and stuff they probably have backed up on and places that they've trying to book and things. When this company spreads its dragon wings again, no one's going to fucking stop them. 
Yeah, they're going to whip out Goldberg and Brock all over again. But that doesn't matter. One thing we've learned is it doesn't matter. It's not the 90s anymore. Whoever's in the product doesn't matter. It's the product itself that sells. Right now, they're on their knees, and it's not even their fault. It's the circumstances of the world combined with shitty booking. If there was ever a fucking time to strike, it would be now. And no one really is. They have Sting doing cinematic matches, which we're going to get into. They got Christian being overbooked, you know, or overhyped. I, it feels like TNA, man. This is not the direction. They, this was the chance for them to do the indie kind of company that we thought they were going to do. And in a lot of ways, it's a lot of TNA booking, which scares me. Yeah, because WWE's pissing all of them off. Everybody forgets, why the fuck are they coming over here? Because WWE keeps shitting on people. No, with all their there. money they're, they're and all over their there because, magic and production and shit. Because they're being offered a lot of money. Yeah, offer a lot of money and not treat it like ass. Like, I take that shit over any day. Yeah, but Christian had a great run. How was he treated like ass? He built, he built his whole life in that company. Yeah, I mean, no, no, yeah, 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 like, yeah like, he was one of the guys who had a great had a great run. Aren't him Edge I mean, in the Hall of Fame? He he, he 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 had a great run back before they were whipping out all these other guys who stay around for two and a half weeks and then disappear for seven months. This is like this WWE they're at now. There's no telling what would happen if he wrestled there again because this company can't be trusted. He shouldn't be wrestling there again. He's forty seven. Yeah, and Edge is riding up with there, and he's getting ready to main event WrestleMania. This company doesn't give a shit about age. It doesn't, and there's some unfortunately in this. If they in this, did, I, if they did, I wouldn't have been on here so many weeks in a row talking about how the Undertaker was waiting for that one magic match. Like, they don't give a fuck. They've proven right, but, a thousand times over there. But there's some exceptions to the rule. You know what I mean? Like, where would you say Christian was the most over in his career? Like, when would you say he was the most over? Like when he was at his peak of popularity like we can say we can look at Shawn michaels and we can say Shawn michaels 97 98 versus brett peak of his popularity you know what i mean we can look at stone cold steve austin we can say 99 2000 him and rock peak of their popularity where would you put christian what was he doing at the peak of his popularity and overall everywhere he's been or just WWE? in the entire planet everywhere he's been hmm. so it's a it's a close between two periods of time it was one Definitely at the obviously at the heart of the tag team, his tag team run with Edge, like when they first broke off in the Brood and they basically became their own thing, reeking of awesomeness and all that. And then when he first came in the TNA and then won the NWA Championship, because that was the first big thing he'd had by himself outside of being an Intercontinental Champion, a light heavyweight champion, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. His first world title was the TNA Championship. That's probably the height of his career, and uh. When he came back to WWE, they treated him like a mid-carder. And it felt like they gave him a pity title run when Edge retired. That lasted like a weekend before Orton RKO'd him and took it back. And then they basically kept him perpetually stuck in the one more match gimmick until the very day that he left. And that pretty much summarizes his singles run, you know? And yeah, there were feuds here and there, but really the TNA title is as good as it got for him. And the sad part about that is that the TNA title is as good as it got from him from a booking standpoint. If we're talking about from a status standpoint, then you know what, man? A weekend with the WWE World Heavyweight title beats the fuck out of a year with the TNA championship. More people are going to recognize that he that he had the WWE Heavyweight title for the weekend. than they're going to give a shit that he had that whole run in TNA. In fact, more people are going to give a fuck about the fact that him losing the title to an RKO by Randy Orton is more of a popularity highlight for him than holding the title around his waist and on his shoulder in the entire length of his time in TNA. And that's really the difference, unfortunately, in the companies and the status of the companies. 
Like, no one gives a fuck that he was ever the TNA world champion. And he wasn't in TNA, he was the NWA champion, the one when it mattered. But you see, and that's another misconception. The NWA championship, does it even matter at this point, dare I say it? It's yeah. like that the title's N- always that there's never gonna be a moment where that title doesn't matter with everybody who's held that thing. It used to matter, but look at let's look at the history of the NWA. The NWA championship has been through so many changes at this point that I don't even know what, what it means anymore. Like it used to be the WCW championship back when they were affiliated with an NWA, right? But then they broke that off and it just became the WCW title in the 90s back when we got the Attitude Era and they broke off the NWA part of it, right? And then for a little while, it was the NWA TNA championship. And then even TNA broke their ties with it and it just became the TNA world title disregarding the the NWA status of it, right? And now who has it? MLW, I believe? No, um, Magnus still has it um, in NWA. I'm sorry. um, Yeah, Magnus has it there, yeah. It's it's kind of like it's a name that's been dragged through so many different incarnations, you know, that it's that I don't know. I don't really know what the relevance of it really is right now, you know? Yeah, I, just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just see more value in an actual title run rather than you getting RKO'd and then getting turned basically into a sniveling bitch for a few months. Well, obviously, that's all of he course. did with wine of, until he got back into it. Of course, from a booking standpoint, you're 100 percent right. If you're watching this the way that we do and you understand the, the the companies and the belts and the continuity of what's happening, then obviously you the title run, especially as if you're a fan of Christian, which I am, um, I've always said he's better than Edge, but I'm from the title run is gonna be more enjoyable for you and I personally. You know, like that that goes without saying. But what I'm saying is recognition wise, if I was trying to get pussy, I'm sooner gonna tell somebody that I was the WWE World Heavyweight Champion for a Saturday then I'm going to tell them that I'm the TNA world champion for a year. Like I'm just being real with you about about that. It's called the title because it is a title. And if you're talking about title, which literally in our society is one of the things that gets people ahead, the title being the WWE championship is a big fucking deal. It's such a big deal that when Christian won it, maybe he didn't know he was going to be losing a few days later. He went backstage and he hugged Vince, you know, and he thanked him. Like, it's just a big deal to have that on your resume, you know? That's like if you got to work at Microsoft for the weekend versus getting to work at Taco Bell for a year, even if you were a really good manager. Would you tell your girl that you worked at Taco Bell, but you were the best manager, you were on the wall manager of the year? Or will you tell them that you worked in WWE with Randy Orton and John Cena for the weekend? <laughs> it's just one of those things. And I feel bad making that comparison, but that's how I look at the the, the situation. I digress. When I look at Christian, he's, a, he, he's great. Great to have him around, but the way that they presented him, uh, it hurts him a lot, you know, because it's like you can't push somebody like that. He was never as over as Edge. Edge, Edge, the reason they pushed Edge is because Edge was more over. Christian's better. I've said on here for the whole six years we're doing this, that Christian is better. He's more talented. Not that Edge isn't good, but damn, is Christian good and he never gets recognition for it. But he's not as over, man, where you would like if you had a company, you would you should not hype him that way. You know, it felt a little self-serving, but yeah, you guys can disagree. Obviously, some people think we're WWE marks if we feel that way. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. People are definitely split. This was a polarizing decision, but it shouldn't be. When you hype something to that level, it shouldn't be polarizing. Everyone should pop. Everyone should be like, wow, holy shit. I bet if they would have done this the way they did the Paul White thing, as much as that was criticized, if it would have just been Christians all in, it would have been a graphic on Twitter that would have gotten a better reaction than this. Maybe they wouldn't have gotten those pay-per-view buys, 
But I also think it's foolish that anyone bought the pay-per-view because I did see people asking for their money back. I think it's foolish if you bought the pay-per-view just to find out that news. Right, 10 matches on that card and you're looking for just that news? Like, I saw a lot of I want my money back, I want my money back. Not, like I'll, I'll be honest, in my opinion, what, looking on social media, 90% of people, if not more, did not like this at all. You know, And I think that by tomorrow, this is going to get enough fucking heat that that's why I'm actually pulling my punches and trying to be a little bit nice because I think personally on a professional level, that this is a fucking disaster. And I'm kind of curious as to how the rest of this is going to play out because uh, it doesn't look good. I'm just saying it doesn't, this does not look good. I got to be completely honest. I feel bad because I'm enjoying the the product, but damn, this this is going to be, the feedback that, they, that they're getting is the kind of feedback that they don't need right now. And this is what I was talking about, man. I knew that it was going to, we were going to wind up here, but let's see, let's see what happens. Anyway, I know this was the biggest news and the thing that surprises me that this is what everyone's been talking about the entire night more than anything. But uh, we got to move on to the final two, the co-main event and the main event, starting with the tag team street fight of Darby Allen and Sting going up against Team Taz. It's Brian Cage and Ricky Starks being, um, I guess, accompanied by, not even accompanied by Taz. I don't know why that would be on the card. Taz was in commentary, as a matter of fact. Yeah. But uh, the finish was Sting going over Ricky Starks with a scorpion death drop. Um, this finish was bad because of the fact that this match was not treated as a match. It was cinematic. They were in an, in an abandoned warehouse. They were fighting all over the place. They were fighting around stairs and in the streets and all this other stuff. And it just felt like after the most extreme things that you can think about happening, things that you can only do in a cinematic match, just very underwhelming to end it with a scorpion death drop in the ring. You know what I mean? Like at that point, if you're going to go crazy, you're going to have people jumping off of buildings and scaffolds and shit like that. At that point, your finish should be not just a scorpion death drop in the ring. You know, like it was kind of like, all right, I guess we're going old fashioned here. I did like the video game esque cyberpunk intro of uh, Ricky Starks getting into a car um, because immediately with the camera angle they gave us and the way the car opened and I saw a muscle bound guy holding, I thought that was Jackie. It was like, Jackie, is this cyberpunk? What the hell? <laughs> you stupid. <laughs> but yeah, they, they do that whole thing. And it's Sting and Darby. They have like a dramatic thing. They have like a bit of a dramatic intro where you physically see them drive. There's Sting's driving and then Darby skateboarding and he catches the Marty McFly ride in halfway. Good job, man. Which props already to their face paint. The fact that, first of all, this is the first time Darby's worn paint all over his face. And both of them showing a really good sense of unity, having one half be their regular face paint and the other half be their Yeah, now you're exactly right, JR. And that's not going to be good for them. Meaning Sting and Allen. Yeah, no pronouns out here, please. Yes, no, I'm aware. No pronouns? Really? I didn't catch that the first time. I don't know. He said no pronouns out here in Tasman. Yeah, I'm aware. They're not trying to get quote-unquote canceled. Yeah, they don't want to be part of cancel culture, right? Because, you know, that's such a fucking success. Oh, we got competing screenshots. That's kind of cool, too. Ooh, that might have to be the one. Because that's badass looking. Yeah, look at that. How sexy is that? Wow. Okay. So, that was their intro. They come out with all of the, the freaking uh, the Sting clones. Better than WrestleMania. When he showed up there. <laughs> Not yeah. like he had to try. Yeah, the... Really good stuff, though. I did like Sting, um, like I said, overall, just doing, being in a safe match, not seeing him doing anything crazy here. Yeah. At one point in this, did you catch the part 
where they had the camera on the uh, on the track. So essentially what's happening is there's two fights going on at once and it does like that. It almost does that Peter Jackson style camera where, where it tracks from, <laughs> yeah. from one fight to the other and it like kind of zooms across the, the warehouse to the fight going on on the other side. My favorite part of that entire thing was that it confused Taz. Like as the camera's going from one fight to the other, cam- Taz goes, what the hell? What's happening? I <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what was going on. Oh man, that did it for me so much, man. What the hell? That's the camera task. No no magic. Brian Cage is winning me over. He carried Darby in vertical suplex position up a flight of steps. I told you that fucker was good. That is ridiculous strength. Can you imagine how cool it would be to have a friend like that when you need to move? Everybody should have a Brian Cage in their life. So when they need to move, that motherfucker He's just picked up, it up with Look at this. What Look at this. That looks like something Tagoro would do. Amazing strength. That's about as amazing as anything I've seen in pro wrestling I, in that years and years. Oh, Stamps, oh God. And with ease, man. And like with it was ease. nothing. That's like, crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, Darby's small, but holy shit. That's some scary See, this shit, was man. the Brian Cage I was looking for. I don't know what happened when he first showed up, but that was the motherfucker I was hyping up when before he came here. Yeah, man. That was, that was high level right there. That was incredible. Uh, and yeah, this was a big cinematic brawl over a warehouse. Um, the stupid part to me was that they have a guy in an orange mask attack Darby. Darby and I'm sitting there trying to figure out who it is, and I just can't put my finger on it. But of course I can, because it's Hobbs. He's a black guy. Why wear a mask? You're the only fucking black guy in the stable, and you wear an orange mask? See. See what they were expecting was everybody to start profiling. Because profiling is wrong. <laughs> they should have had that old woman from the Snickers commercial be like, be, be like, Hobbs, is that you? I see it. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what the fuck? Like, why was he wearing? And then they have Hook who comes out with no mask. He should have been the one that came out first masked. We would have wondered who it was at least for a minute before he realized oh, it was Hook. You know, and then and then of course have the freaking Hobbs come out unmasked because he's the apparent black guy of the group. Should have been reversed. Anyway, they, they, they wound up swinging Darby through a glass window. Um, at one point, Sting loses the bat because, uh, they, who is it? It's Ricky Starks is like, you're nothing without that bat. So he kind of tosses the bat and then beats the fuck out of him to show that he's, uh, throws that shit to the highest place he can get it to. Yeah. So this comes into play later on when Sting's getting roughed up by the heels and then Darby from above tosses Sting the back down. And then, uh, he uses it to basically kick ass with it. He winds up breaking it over Cage's back. Now listen. He broke it over Cage's back, right? If there's continuity in this company, we should never see that bat again. I'm just saying. We probably will, but I'm just saying if there's continuity I mean, in this company, we should never see that bat again. I mean, he can get a new bat. He could get a new bat, but he shouldn't. It should be symbolic. When someone has a signature weapon, it should break and just be gone. You know? I'm going to use a Dragon Ball metaphor. I don't know if you could do that though, so suddenly like that. That's the problem. I'm going to use a Dragon Ball metaphor here. But, uh... If you look at Trunks, good example, you know, and his whole future arc, he had that sword, right? Then when he fought, when he came back to our time and he fought Android 18 and 17, I forget which one of them, but one of them broke the sword on him, didn't they? Yeah. The sword broke into pieces. But then, and, but uh, then it, it wasn't just like a random break. Like, uh, the, I, 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 don't get me wrong, I get what you're saying. That's the only part that like... And you never saw it again, though. Like, if you go back to the entire series... You never saw that character with a sword or a hilt for the rest of his life. 
ever. No one ever thinks about that. The Cell Saga went on, all the thing went on, you never saw it again. Yeah, you, ha- you have movies, those aren't canon, and you have like little side OVAs or specials and games and shit, but in the continuity of just the canister, that guy never, you never placed it. It should be symbolic when you break somebody's sleep. Like, if Triple H's sledgehammer broke, I'd want him to not get it again for a while, you know? But then again, he doesn't get these broken sledgehammers, though. Has he? He always just gets another one. Yeah, he's How broken, do you break he's a sledgehammer? Oh god, I've seen I've seen him broke. It's, it's, it's just weird. You'd have to miss and hit something really hard, you know? Like no, you can't no. break it over I rem- somebody. I, in fact, I remember um he broke one when they had that hand- handicap hell in the cell. I think it was Unforgiven two thousand six. He broke it over the back of Vince's head. See, I don't want to break over somebody's head. You break somebody's head with that. Yeah, well, that 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 fucker snapped over the back of Vince's head. So. Unbelievable. I'm just, I'm messing around though, but still, the, the, he breaks the bat, which is funny because like you're nothing without this bat. But then it turns out he wants to prove he isn't. But then he kind of proves he isn't because when he he has to use the bat at the end and then it gets broken. Uh, beat him. They picked up that fucking shovel and beat him over the head with that shit. Mm-hmm. And we get, of course, we get a crazy dive from Darby, but at least this one's cinematic. You know? And it looks safer than what I've seen Darby do. Mm-hmm. It, like, sure it looked does. like he, he went for a dive and then switched it into an elbow drop, which I expected coffin drop. But then again, I thought about it and I was like, Darby's not even, even Darby's not going blind that you'd be, high. You'd be dead. You'd be dead. Crazy. Darby's crazy ass. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. What was that for the second? Yeah, that's rough. See, even Darby has at least a little bit of body preservation. Apparently, right? Ain't much in there, but I guess, <laughs> I guess in the case where he needed to see where he was landing, so mm-hmm. okay, I can't fuck this up. We can't do this take twice. Yeah. So yeah, overall good stuff. You know, I just thought that finish could have been a little bit better. But, but I mean, mission accomplished. Though they kept they kept Sting safe, and he actually won a match. <laughs> I see what you did there. Not 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 some offhanded bullshit tag team match. He actually won a fucking match. Because AEW doesn't need to remind you they won the Monday Night Wars. And that brings us to the main event. The AEW world title exploding barbed wire death match. Kenny Omega defending his championship against John Moxley. Finished to this being a one-winged angel on a chair. And then afterwards, they beat Moxley along with Gallows and Anderson coming out. And the plan here is to leave him in the ring because throughout this match, there's a countdown to an explosion. That's what happens in these kind of matches. If one person doesn't pin the other, the ring will eventually explode. So their strategy is after the match is over, they're going to leave him. They're going to beat him up in the ring. And at the last minute, they're going to leave so that he can blow up. So my issue with this, go ahead. I was going to say, because uh, Don Callis is basically portraying, basically conveying that there's some kind of a plan. And what it seemed to be the plan was, was that I guess Callis paid off whoever was running the timer so that even when Omega goes over, the timer doesn't stop. Oh, so is that what they explain that in commentary? They didn't, they, they, didn't know, they didn't know what was going on because Callis basically didn't tell anybody. So how do we find out that Callis paid someone to keep the timer running? Well, that that's what I'm thinking. They did. They, that's if, if if they go on to explain. But that's what you're, exactly so wait what a minute. Does. So they never explained why the timer kept going? No, they, 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 the, all of that sound was that Shivani and Ross sounded confused on the fact that the timer was still going. 
to me, they didn't but, sound but, but, confused. But now, they just they were just, just going. Like, they were going. That timer's still going, folks. Like no one was going. That timer's still going. Everyone's just going. That timer's still going, folks. Like if it was a regular thing, and then they didn't even bother. Like you, you kind of filled in a blank there that they didn't. Where you're saying that they paid the Don Callis paid somebody to keep the timer going. They didn't put that I much did. effort into it. That shit wasn't mentioned anywhere. You know, that's a good idea. Maybe you should book for them, but that sure ain't what the fuck happened. Like they never even had like anything with that, you know, like, and if that's something that they put in later, it should be in the pay-per-view. It's important. It's literally the end of the match. You know, it's the finish. I got to tune into dynamite to find out why they think this shit up. I just thought that was weird, but that's the least of their worries. That's the least of their worries here because they leave him in the ring. And Eddie Kingston is going to have a baby face turn. They were clearly, I could tell by the way this was put together, this was going to be a huge baby face turn for this guy. This is him becoming a good guy. This is going to get him over. I can tell just by what they were doing here. So he he's trying to wake Moxley up as the countdown's going. And uh, it's at the end and he realizes he's not going to be able to save him. So he jumps on top of Moxley's unconscious body to sacrifice himself to protect his longtime friend. I'm going to just put it up on the screen. This made me so sad. First of all, somebody get Eddie Kingston a fucking award because that motherfucker refused to break character on that shit. I would have, I wouldn't have broke character. I would have changed character. <laughs> I would have just gotten up and looked around like, "Whew, what a relief!" And then looked angry like they could have killed him if that would have worked. Oh my God. You know, you got to change the story. You don't don't lay there. He was selling that he got hit by the explosion too. He stood on the ground. I'm so fucking mad. I am so mad that he stood that on the fucking said, ground fuck character. <laughs> after the sparklers went off. <laughs> that shit went... So, what I'm guessing happened... Somebody put Cody Rhodes as more pyro than that explosion. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so, I think what happened was all... Because the sad part about it is the unfortunate that explosions happen like this, that like explosives can happen like this, all them bitches didn't go off. I, wa- I, I, I watched one of them that popped up on YouTube for some reason, more ironically, right? But yeah, this was be way more than that. Cues Thompson and Facebook says Edge losing for real now. He lost his friend. Oh, wouldn't that be some shit? Oh, them petty bitches! Don't y'all dare fucking do it. But no, <laughs> you, I didn't even think about that. You have a a, a good point, man. Edge could be they could punch Edge now. Because oh you know, Edge is going through a table with Nia Jax every week. Mess. Get ready for your table bumps. How many is it from from Nia? 10, 9, 11. Uh, you know what the bad part about it is? Just like Nile, they'll wait like a year to finish the fucking storyline. I can't believe that guy made a good point, man. Oh my God. Because we know this. <laughs> see, see, that's a man who just like me is sick of their shit. He knows. That guy needs a war, damn it. But <laughs> this. But yeah. This. You know what, man? I hate to say it, but just like everything else in this pay-per-view, the explosion, the lead up to the explosion was just underwhelming. Like the buildup led to just a shitty like everything in this pay-per-view did that it was like here it comes here it comes here it comes <laughs> you know everything everything that just seems to wait the hype is always better with this company than than the than the launch and that explosion like that took 
it completely out for me. And I don't care that sometimes some explosions go off and some explosions don't. Because if you would have told Paul Heyman or Jim Cornette that when this was their company and they were booking it and that shit would have went off like that, even if there would have been charges, somebody would have got their ass fucking kicked for that. I'm telling you that now. I would have bet my heart and soul that if you would have done that on Paul Heyman or Jim Cornette's watch, it doesn't matter how corporate the company was they're working for, they would have slapped the shit out of somebody for that. The finish to the main event of the pay-per-view had a they would have slapped the shit out of somebody for that. Whoever it is, they need to lose their job. They need to lose their job and and be and their Medicaid so that they can't get vaccinated. <laughs> oh yeah, there, 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 there's an explosive expert out there that might, might have to work at fucking right like, aid. Like dude, after that shit, that that was set up perfectly, and the only reason it didn't work was because the explosive guy fucked up. I'm telling you, they fucking hired like TNA's explosive guy. This is the reason I don't want Sting descending from the rafters. I hope that whoever does that doesn't do the explosions. No, the Sting, Sting would have been fine. The explosion guy, different guy. <laughs> but yeah, like that, oh, that part bummed me out so bad because I remember I remember hearing about that particular rule and I'd forgotten about it until they, until they started to mention the rule. And I was like, oh shit, there is a timer. And I was like, oh, because you could even see at points in the match, especially when it got down to like that last, what, 10, 15 minutes? Everybody was doing stuff with urgency because it's like, oh, God, I got to get the fuck out of here before this thing blows up. I hate that finish, man. I was like, so that upset that I didn't even get to hear commentary. I don't think I don't I know that, Jim Ross probably didn't sell that. I know somebody oh, no, out no, there. They, was it was it Shivani who was like, look at all of the blood and exploding the debris or yeah, something. Sure. Like, oh, fuck you. Oh, God. And it bummed me out because I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> Because in my head, I'm like, it's not even a booking thing. It's like, it's just like the explosion just said, nah. Because I've seen <laughs> shit like that happen at like concerts and shit. And I'm like, fuck. That was going to be amazing. They needed to put more into it. How come? You know what? I'm, you know, I can't even they, give them that. You know what the bad part about this though, Rick? You can't even put more into that shit. The shit just didn't blow. The shit just didn't go. That's like saying if the stream went down right now, we had to put more into it. No, because you didn't see that shit coming. Until the mo- the moment until that thing went down, everybody was like, "Okay." But you know what, man? Nobody's nobody's pyro ever fucks up like that. Like, out of three hundred sixty five days a year of watching wrestling, the actual regular pyro that people get never fucks up. Why can't they just use the same equipment and technology they use for the pyro as the explosion, so you get a guaranteed explosion? You're telling me that you can't get that same explosion. Kofi Kingston's boom was a better fucking explosion that could have done that. Because people are going to bitch that they use the pyro. No, they're because not. It's what they're supposed to use. It's not like they can actually blow up the ring. They suppo- they need to use regular Dude, fucking pyro. Exploding barbed wire match, you cannot use that same shit. People will notice that. Will they notice this? <laughs> no, no, seriously. Take it from somebody who's watched two of these fucking things. People are going to notice that. There's a reason they ran those vignettes for the fucking thing. Because that's a different kind of a bang in this fucking thing. And unfortunately, that bang fucked up. If the people notice this... <laughs> Like, I'm dead ass. Like, fucking. I rather I would have had a pyro. You know what? The py- the proof that the pyro explosion works is the final deletion. All they use was pyro explosions and that shit, and it was better than a. Yeah, they fucking pre-taped it too. So they had. They should have pre-taped this. Thing. They're not even against pre-taping. They did it for Sting match. Yeah, I, Sting anything. Was out. Yeah, because Sting was almost sixty. Anything would have been better than that ending. There's no like I, I can't even. Oh my god. And I feel bad because I'm, I'm, Moxley. I'm so pissed off because I know what was going to happen the second that shit didn't work. 
because I was ecstatic for this fucking match. And then the universe just said, no, fuck them. Like, I so feel worse for Moxley and Kingston because neither one of them is in a position that they could see that the explosion one of even if they wanted to improvise, it's not like they know how it looked. They had to watch it back on the tape. No, so Tony Khan, stop hearing, stop, stop fucking hiring Impact fucking pyro people. Like that, I don't know what the fuck happened, but it upset me so bad because I was genuinely fucking excited about this match because I've only seen this fucking thing happen twice. And I was like, if they're pulling this out for Omega and Moxley, that tells you, like I said on Monday, that's a level of violence that only this fucking view was going to bring out. And then for the universe just to fuck them. Three hours later, you've still only seen it twice. (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm going to talk about what was great in the match. The match was fucking brutal. Like, holy hell. Moxley, I think what Moxley got opened up maybe only, what, a couple of minutes into the match? So, first, I'm going to get the ring... I gotta get the ring shot out there for you guys that are watching on, on I'm social fucking media. Looking away. I can't stand to see this shit again. I'm, I'm, I'm putting on. No, I'm, I'm not putting it on the. I'm just sharing it in the chat room. <laughs> and yes, I did. I did coin that that title of it. Yeah. Anyway, um, what was interesting and I thought was cool about this was Moxley does a little bit of pre gaming before the actual party because he's in the ring and he takes a a, a shot of his flask. Wearing a badass leather jacket that Renee commented on social media. Uh, but yeah, here is that shot. Bio. Weighing 231 pounds. I thought he was praying at first. Yeah! I thought he was praying to the liquor gods. Moxley! I, I like that because that conveyed. What was that? I like that because that conveyed. What the fact that he knew the madness he was about to get into, where even he had to take a drink. Mm-hmm. He should have passed it to everybody in the audience. <laughs> they needed for this one. But, uh, yeah, Kenny Omega early in this match blinds Moxley. What did he use? Like some sort of dust or powder in his hands? And then he. Yeah, he, he went um, for the freedom powder. Yeah. And then he whips him into the ropes uh, for the first explosion of the night, which I believe we yeah, got which, here. Um, in the ex- which, um,. In these exploding barbed wire matches, the ones that are along the ropes, they're like, it's mild concussive blast, pretty much, which is where the pain comes from. Mm-hmm. It's like heat and then like a, sh- and then like a shot. Out in the record books, which means oh! it never happened. Powder in the eye. Fantastic. Ooh, missed him. Yeah, he, he, he's blinded. Of course. Tipperty blinded for that powder. That coward referee. Stasis said, I've seen birthday cakes with more impact. I mean, I got it hot in regards to the explosion. I mean, I got to 100% disagree with her there. I mean, when it comes to AEW, I have to say I'm seeing more impact than I've been seeing in years. No. <laughs> okay, now you say that. Now, if Tommy, you're going to get the title shot. It's your fault. <laughs> I hope not. That's where I tore the line, you know. They should get Tommy Dreamer I'm, to do I'm, the I'm fucking explosion. I'm telling you, after that, after that, it never gets worse. Like I said, they should get Tommy Dreamer to do the fucking explosions. No, we'll pay you a title shot. We'll pay you what Impact's paying you, but you don't even have to be on camera to set up the explosions. Uh, Kenny Omega hits the Kotaro Crusher onto Moxley on a garbage can. Really cool looking spot there. Um, Moxley rakes a barbed wire chair onto Omega's pants and he sells it. But if it didn't rip the pants, then it didn't rip the flesh, you know? So it was like, all right, sell it. Sure. Um, at one point, Moxley whips Omega into the barbed wire board. And that's 
um, the first point in which Omega gets a little bit of the pain here. I'm actually going to throw that up on the screen so you see his first uh, bump. Yeah. Took a little while before Omega got opened up in this one. That's in. Kenny Omega. And when you're in a fight like Omega. this, the time goes by. Oh, God! Oh! Omega went face first in the explosion! Oh, God. Crazy, then he drop kicks in the second time into it. This is cool. Oh, oh, this oh, if you listen to the podcast, you want to check out just oh, some God. of this. Either go to the AEW Twitter, or if you want, you could just watch the video version of this on our on our Twitch or Facebook, just for the clips and stuff like that. So aside from the obvious, because I know that's what everyone's going to do, we'll probably hear a hell of a lot more of that in the next twenty four hours. What are your thoughts in regards to uh, just the physicality of the match, leaving that obvious botch out of it? Leaving the unfortunate events that happened at the end of the match out. I love the brutality of this. I love the fact that when these guys get in the ring together, they literally don't hold a single thing back. Like they've really, they do an amazing job at conveying like true hatred for each other. Like this particular spot right here, um, when Moxley wraps the barbed wire around his arm and he basically, they tee the clothesline for several hits. And then when he finally gets it off, it's just, this was a match that was very fitting for these two and it definitely was meant to give a sense of finality like after that like we're done yeah and i think um assuming that the finish would have gone as planned i think this was basically meant to get moxley um off of tv for a while then he can basically tend to renee well it makes sense because that, that definitely uh i mean you blow happen, man yeah. up you ain't gonna see him for a hot minute so mm-hmm yeah, you saw that with Moxley barely getting Omega um, over his head for that exploder into the barbed wire board. Um, and then he hits a nasty paradigm shift off of the apron into an exploding barbed wire board. Yeah, they call it a uh, triple hell because there's three spots around the ring with that same board on it. Mm-hmm. And this is the spot that we're talking about here. Uh-oh. Oh, no, no. He's going to try to put a paradigm shift onto yeah, the board. Yeah, Moxley's out of his mind. Yeah, so that's brutal. The motherfuckers ain't scared to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, another cool sequence is Omega hits a V-trigger into the one-winged angel, but Moxley gets his foot on the ropes, essentially blowing himself up to free himself because the rope break here on those ropes is no good. Yeah, he literally kicks the bar bar and blows it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you got to do what you got to do, right? And yeah. that's what he did. Because it's like he isn't going to do as much to kick out. Angel! Can Omega cover? Can he make the cover? Two. Oh! Omega! That's, that's awesome. Kick out. He got his leg. See, what I like so much about that is that he didn't, he didn't have the energy to kick out, but it's like he sees the bar wire and it's like, wait a minute, we're in range. Bang. Yeah, no, that was that, that was some brutality there, man. These guys, like, it's frightening the things they'll do to each other. First of all, it is the terrifying level of trust. I don't think I can have another human being in my lifetime and the next three. And two, just the things that can be done to those two and then they still keep going. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. That's a, and what I, I, I didn't think about it until maybe earlier this morning. It kind of makes sense as well that they pick a match like this because it's Kenny Omega, probably one of the most successful gaijins to ever be in New Japan. And then you have John Moxley, one of New Japan's current champions, 
they went back to a match of old school violence from Japan. And it was a mega suggestion. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I didn't think about that this morning, but I was like, Yeah, that's how they used to settle heavy beef like that back in Japan. They only ever had to do it they only ever ever had to do it twice, but Yeah. Oh, that's nasty stuff right there. I do like though that uh, with Moxley's jacket. I God, I can't remember the guy's name, but they did say it was basically almost a tribute to the guy who created this match. Hmm. Well, that's cool. And that was the one Renee shouted out on social media. Yeah, you know her last tweet after that was what the WTF man? Like I guess when all the <laughs> when all the violent stuff started really breaking out. <laughs> yeah, that poor girl. That's a ride or die if you ever seen one. <laughs> And when Gallows and Anderson show up, um, it's funny because JR is all like, this is not Tuesday night. Get your ass back to Nashville. Oh, I, I lost my shit when he said that. Yeah. I love how sometimes when JR does commentary, he sounds like he's just shooting. Mm-hmm. He sure does. And he also, uh, he hit uh, Moxley with an exploding barbed wire bat. Yeah. Another uh, move out of that same particular guy's playbook, they said. Mm-hmm. So I think we got that here too. Let's drop that. Let's see. Yep. And Luke Gallows. There you go. You wanted it. You got it. This is not Tuesday night. Get your ass back to Nashville. Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson <laughs> getting battered by Moxley. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I told you there'd be a surprise. At- yeah, see, that's the surprise that, that he was talking about, though. I don't know if he, like, I, I get where you were going because it would make the most of I don't know if they're saying that he's the callous paid anybody off to him. Yeah. Uh, the, the only reason I think my mind goes to that place is the fact that they mentioned in the rules if the match hits the 30 minute mark. Then the, so, like, if nobody's lost by that point. Which is why it didn't make sense that if, you, if you're going to do that, then you have to explain it at the pay-per-view. Why did the explosion still go off? You said, like, if nobody wins, you know, like, they can't just have us assume that Don Callis' plan that what we were never told was to pay off the guy that we've never seen. You know what I mean? To blow up the ring. Like, there's too many. There's too much yeah. not filling in the blanks here that they could easily do. They have three commentators out there. You can't feed that shit to one of them. So, all right. You know, I get it. I get it. It's just. Some shit happens. But at least Tommy do it again, tile shot. No, I'm kidding. I guess. So I guess well, you're back to Nashville. <laughs> what were your overall thoughts though, as far as the pay per view? So it didn't hit me until earlier today. I was like, wow, this match has I was like, I think when we spoke briefly before the um, the buy in started, I was like, Holy crap, this is ten matches. But I mean I really, I, I enjoyed, every, like, with the exception of how the main event ended, I really, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the matches. I mean, it was longer than we've had in a long time when it comes to a pay-per-view. But for me, that, for me, was all, was just as good because sometimes I feel like the events end almost too fast and I don't get to enjoy them as long. Right. Whereas this one, like, I felt like I got to, just, like, sit and just, like, have several, well, I mean, what, two, three, four hours. To just watch straight wrestling. Yeah. It's um for me it's a it's a mixed hat. It was entertaining, it was unique. One thing I like about this company is they do think outside of the box and they do just you know things. what? You just made the list. Oh, oh no. Oh, Thank you for the followers. It's gonna be a chain follow card. I know that came from Facebook. Not this late. Jesus dies, don't do it. Chip, you know what? Yeah, there is. You just made the list. Thank oh you no. For the followers. Oh, here we go. Better better at the end than in the middle. Yeah, yeah, true, true. You know, when you really think about it, get him in there. 
Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Okay. I'm convinced y'all. I'm going to convince some of y'all out. Some of y'all new people out there be synchronizing y'all watches. Okay, good. Okay, we'll made it. All right. Whew, I was worried. Like, we're going to be tacking on extra time on this show. Yeah, see, it's not always that. So, um, yeah, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm conflicted. They do think outside of the box, and there are some interesting performances, but I think that them rela- relying on legends and Hall of Fame caliber talent from other companies is starting to hurt them like it did WCW and TNA. I think that it was fine where it was, where they had their indie guys, they had their elite guys, they had their Bullet Club guys, they had their, you know, all of those Ring of Honor guys. I think that was perfect. And now it just looks like another wrestling company. You know, it has Sting, it has Big Show, it has Christian. And they're they're depending too much on those names. So I'm starting to see history repeat itself again. I don't like it. As far as the product and the wrestlers go, all of that is good. And everyone has the best intentions and is working hard and good performances. But there has to be a change in direction pretty much effective immediately, I think, for them to not really screw up here. Just my opinion, though. Anything before we wrap up here? Uh, no. That That was it. All right. Well, this was an interesting one. I never thought I'd be watching or dealing with a show like this before. Don't forget, guys, tomorrow night, 1130 p.m. after Monday Night Raw Eastern Standard Time in this very chat room on Twitch, on Facebook. Just search Talk Brunch. Google it. Any links will work. Um, You'll find us and we'll talk about the weeklies. We'll talk about everything that didn't pertain to the pay-per-view and the dirt sheets and any other news that came up. So be there for that. That being said, thank you. To all of you nocturnal people who are here for this late, late show. Hopefully tomorrow is shorter and you'll forgive me if it is. Since you got all this extra content. Uh, thank you to all of you that have been in the chat the entire night. Including the new followers and uh, our regulars like Willie V2, EB Gamer, Stasis Dreams, uh, Spartan Jesus, King Quest 770 Mike Wade over on Facebook. Q's Thompson Facebook Weekly Planet AK Ashley Hope You Feel Better Bloodluster Sorelu Abdul Samad Samji Wa Ishmael RK And of course all of you that have been listening across every platform including iTunes, Stitcher Radio Podcast Addict TuneIn, iHeartRadio Google Podcasts TalkBrunch.com and the video broadcast of Twitch and Facebook Again don't forget Tomorrow night, flagship show, lots of fun there. Talk about everything else. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Talk Brunch Live, episode 442, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch. For myself and my co host, Destin Soglow Frazier, we're out of here. I take y'all ass to bed. Shut that down.